yeah, you, technically you don't uh, you don't hand off a dump off. You pass, and it's still technically a pass. <laughs> but I'll, I'll forgive that sin. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're halfway through the season, we've got a midpoint review, we've got a lot of games to get through, and hopefully the audio quality is slightly better than last week. <laughs> so hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks? Sha- Fitz, you're back down in the, the, the true capital, back to Cork, is it? Yeah, back in Cork. Nothing too busy happening here. Uh, we're... Near a release that I wasn't as much involved in because uh, we had a, I had a kind of big separate project, so I'm heavy into testing at the moment. But other than that, keeping pretty quiet and just uh, relaxing. Don't think I have anything too crazy planned for November. Very good. And yourself, Sean? Any any scandal? Uh, yeah, preparing for the trip to New York that I'm doing with my fiance next week. Uh, we have to gone through the whole immigration stuff, including answering the genocide question, which is my favorite question on any. Uh, form ever uh, and now we have to get a, a covid swab which i've never had before and sarah says it's like having your brain scrubbed which sounds fun oh, they're uh, fine people over <laughs> people overstate them i had to get one of them done at one point they're uh they're fine you'll sneeze a bit and you might get a watery eye out of it um yeah, but yeah, no it's yeah, most, yeah. Most, most, yeah. mostly okay yeah, nothing too wild or crazy here. Just some working on the house and bits and pieces and uh, got some tickets for some wrestling in December. So that'll be a bit of crack, but uh, nothing too wild. I suppose we saw the um, college football's coming back to Dublin next week, or not next week, next year, uh, with the Notre Dame Navy game returning again, which uh, it's always a good kind of bit of fun going down to them. They're normally quite well run, although if I remember correctly, this Notre Dame Navy one tends to be a bit one-sided. Uh, yeah, Navy aren't very good, isn't that the problem? Yeah. Well, they, they they basically get real people to play, and you know, real people against you know specialized, actual college level players. Yeah. Usually yeah. Not it was thirty four six this year. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Navy, Navy are Navy are two and seven, and Notre Dame are eight and one at the moment. So. Yeah. Fair sound enough. Like the most competitive game that's ever happened. Little bit, little bit one-sided for the moment. I suppose we'll crack into the news. Uh, Controversy corner. Uh, it's been a, it's been quite a week for controversy. So, um, quarterback Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers has wished, missed Week Nine with COVID nineteen, uh, which also then uncovered that he has been unvaccinated this whole time and just pretending to have been vaccinated. Um, the NFL are investigating if COVID protocol has been preached uh, as instead of getting. A vaccine. He received homeopathic treatment uh, as he believes he, he claims he's allergic to a, an RNA vaccine ingredient. Obviously, the the big difference is that like there were very different protocols in place for vaccinated versus unvaccinated players. So there was a knock on if he has been kind of dishonest with the organization. Although I believe at the moment the uh, the expectation is that it's only going to be fines to the Green Bay rather than anything wider reaching. Then the off season. Rodgers had made public statements saying that he was immunized and he actually applied to the NFL and the NFL Players Association to have his um, homeopathic treatment considered equivalent to vaccination. uh, And that was not uh, accepted at all. (laughs) Um, I don't I can't I can't imagine why putting 
a small number of non-active ingredients into water and then saying this is medicine wasn't accepted by them but yeah so rogers is uh he's in trouble he's now been doing the rounds on like podcasts and stuff we were you know we were considering putting him on here but we didn't want to give him the platform um <laughs> and uh he's been talking about how uh you know he's going to be cancelled by the woke police and uh and how all like yeah, basically just a load of shite he's just been talking a load of shite because he's been caught out badly here um but yeah so what do we think lads other than complete fucking moron it's just farcical is what it is. It's like every single uh, anti-vaxxer conspiracy theory idea out there. He's taken ivermectin. He's taken medical advice from Joe Rogan. Uh, he's just, it's just, it's like he's hit every, every single buzzword of, of the entire thing came up. He, in his interview, he quoted Martin Luther King. Uh, it's just like, uh, it's just, it's actually you couldn't write it down. It's actually farcical, and my respect for the guy is completely plummeted. I mean, he's an amazing football player, but he seems to be a pretty shit human being, uh, all things considered. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, apparently he does. Apparently he's going to be back next week, and he may not even have to have a COVID test to come back, which he only needs a doctor to sign it off, if I understand it right. Which is mm. seems to be a bit sick, of a basically. problematic problematic from the nfl perspective to allow something like this but this is i mean we have to expect something like this because america is a crazy place for conspiracy conspiracy theories and anti-vax stuff but for someone this high profile uh it's yeah it's it's just ridiculous and um everyone everyone involved should hold their head in shame especially aaron Rodgers, um who cost the team a win this this week as we'll get into in reviews because of it um as well so yeah i just it's just a joke it's just a bad joke that has been played on everyone <laughs> yeah, like, like I think the big quote from it for me is like, look, I'm not some sort of anti-vax flat earther. I am somebody who's a critical thinker. That's a direct quote from his uh, interview with uh, Pat McAfee uh, on his kind of well-known show in America. And like, look, this is a situation where obviously he's decided to say certain things, uh, many of which have kind of been, if not have seen as lies, certainly seen to be stretching the truth or, or certainly seen to be implausible uh firstly of course like you know as sean mentioned the like using the word immunized which he basically said was his specific strategy and which is complete nonsense because the treatment that he was taking both the homeopathic therapy is taking and then the more in inverted commas real therapies of taking vitamin c zinc ivermectin hydroxychloroquine none of those are proven treatments for COVID 19 and while there are still is there still research ongoing for ivermectin and a variety of different platform trials? Getting into all of my statistics, clinical trials background now, but uh, like we're we're talking about something here, which the evidence thus far is that uh, hydroxychloroquine almost certainly doesn't work because it has you know found no efficacy and has been dropped from several trials which have evaluated things that have worked, like the oxymetasone um, and some of the recent therapies that we put forward as potential treatments. Um, and ivermectin, the evidence right now is not very strong. Um, there was one meta-analysis that people have talked about, which has been retracted subsequently because many of the uh, many of the studies that they specifically cited ended up uh, having severe uh, flaws and basically were likely to be fraudulent. So, look, I'm not mm. saying Joe Rogan is not a doctor. Uh, actually, no, he is not. He isn't a doctor, but he's also not uh, someone who you want to take medicine, medical advice from. He's also not a vet. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just. 
just, just a small thing. Like I, I know the ivermectin, the horse paste, and all that stuff. Just to be clear, <laughs> there is a version of ivermectin that is given to humans, uh, primarily uh, to do with parasites. Can be used for stuff like headlights, for example. Uh, that's distinct from vet ivermectin, which people were kind of taking because they couldn't get access to the medical stuff. Because doctors were like, no, there's, I'm not giving you something for which there's no evidence to give it to you for uh, off-label usage, for example. Um, and people were just taking the paste, the ivermectin paste, the veterinary paste, uh, because they really wanted to have mm. ivermectin and were willing to take anything. Obviously, any drug that is suitable uh, for humans and animals, you want to take the human version because the animal version probably is not um, up to the same regulatory <laughs> standards. And probably give you be very careful on these languages. Stop taking fucking unproven horse drugs, you yeah. fucking morons. Just a, but I reckon it's actually a drug as well, just to say that. But yeah, take the human but not version. for COVID, okay? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We can just leave it. They're, they're morons. Stop it. And Aaron Rodgers has disgraced himself. And um, we will spend no more time on it until we get to the games and we discuss about his future. Um, some transaction news from Red League. Cleveland have decided to release Odell Beckham Jr. This is after a breakdown in communications with them. His father posting Instagram stories about them not pulling, throwing him the ball enough. Um, and yeah, just very strange altogether and them not wanting to trade him. They've also extended offensive guard Wyatt Teller for four years and 57 million. Las Vegas have signed wide receiver Deshaun, Watt, Deshaun Jackson, which we can imagine probably has something to do with some of their other wide receivers and them not being there anymore, which we'll discuss later on. And the Jets uh, at the tail end of the trade window traded Da Vinci Code author and recent tight end Dan Brown to Kansas City uh, for Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Um, yeah, so what do we think of these? I'm a big surprise to see like Odell Beckham from like poster child of the New York Giants to now being cut for no gain and going through waivers uh, from this Browns team. Yeah, like you could definitely consider the two transactions here. One obviously much more uh, well publicized, the cutting of OBJ is a, a signal of, of cultural intent, the decadent Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, versus the you know hardworking offensive lineman Wyatt Teller. Uh, creating polls for the Nick Chubbs of the world. Uh, so OBJ is out the door. Wyatt Teller's getting uh, getting rewarded, uh, and it's kind of like, okay, we just need to put a line under this. And to be fair, ever since OBJ was traded to the Cleveland Browns, the relationship on the field between him and Baker Mayfield in terms of this offense has not been good. He basically, uh, in many cases, the offense has, has looked better in the games that he has missed during his tenure with the Browns than when he's been on the field. I don't know what, what like, you know, maybe there's cultural fit there. Maybe Baker doesn't fit him for schematic reasons, but whatever the reason, he was a high-priced, uh, you know, trade object for the Cleveland Browns that hasn't worked out, and they finally had to cut him, especially because in the last... Uh, you know, week or so, like we talked about last week, his father was, you know, tweeting videos of all the times Baker Mayfield missed them. There's just a certain point where obviously the team and the player, the relationship completely breaks down. They had reached that point last week and they finally cut him on Monday this week. Um, he is currently going through waivers, but uh, I don't think he's expected to get picked up. Um, I think the only one team that he said he would go to that uh, could afford him right now is the Seahawks. And I don't know if that's likely to happen. So look, like this is just a situation where OBJ, he definitely feels more like name, more name than game these days. It's so long mm -hmm. since he actually was a elite wide receiver one, but obviously just given 
I suppose his potential upside, I imagine someone will give him a chance and see what he can do, perhaps more in a you know complimentary receiver role uh, on a yeah. contender. And he will only go to a contender. He said that publicly right now. Yeah, and just as just as you're saying, kind of the 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 culture stuff and the like, selecting the players you want. There's a story doing the rounds about Wyatt Teller about after getting his big contract extension, what did he go out? Did he go out to the strip clubs? Did he go out to party? No, he went over to uh, he went over to Miles Garrett's house to play Dungeons and Dragons for the night, <laughs> which is a uh, a great team building method for how well, you uh, how you work. I, I, I've joked in the past that Wyatt Teller is the name of the next great American novelist, in my opinion. So uh, <laughs> he, he, he seems like a, a well educated, well cultured person based on that uh, based on that anecdote. No, of course. Uh, Sean, we look at La- Las Vegas signing to Sean Jackson, who obviously was with the Rams, wasn't it, and was kind of cut there just in advance of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speedster has probably lost a couple of steps, but. Like maybe they can find a use for him in that offense. Yeah, no, I mean he is a good eight to ten years past his peak, and I mean he's been bouncing around the league in various teams for the for the last while: Washington, Tampa Bay, back to Philly for a while, and the Rams. Then for the first half of this season, so I mean he's not really established himself, and I, I don't think that he's quite where he used to be by any stretch of the imagination. But obviously, with the, the departure of Henry Ruggs, which we'll talk about, they need that option that kind of long option. They, they suffered a little bit this week from from not having that uh, ability. It, it gives, it opens up the, the playbook for them in terms of, especially in late game, I've noticed that the Raiders tend to, to start off with kind of shorter passes and then open up later to the, the longer throws and such. So not having that option hurts them. So they obviously want it, even if it is a, a lesser version than Ruggs, who was kind of coming into his own as a player this year before he decided to, to ruin his career and, and also uh, destroy someone's life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be a life changer for, for the, the Raiders. I think it's yeah. a step down and I don't think it makes them as competitive as they were, but I think it's better than nothing. And who knows, he might, if he's used sparingly in the right slot spots, he could be quite useful to them, but definitely he's not the Deshaun Jackson of 2010, 2011. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a far away from that uh, in terms of uh, productivity and consistency. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, the Jets picked up uh, LDT, which uh, it's a smallish transaction, but I think it works pretty well for the Jets. Uh, he wasn't really getting playing time on the Chiefs. He hadn't he took last year off. I think he's got his first start uh, or his first his first game time. Actually, not even start the game uh, prior to the trade. It was basically frees up a lump of money. So I think it frees up four and a half million this year and three and a half million off dead cap. And uh yeah, like essentially, I think this Dan Brown chap who came over to the Chiefs on the tight end is he's a special teamer. I think he's taken two snaps ever that weren't special team snaps. So I don't think it's anything other than a salary dump and LDT gets a shot at the starting position somewhere else. So uh, hopefully it works out for him and the Jets can use the assistance on the line. Um, we've kind of danced around it there. It was breaking news when we were doing the last one. Crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Yep, definitely. Uh, wide receiver Henry Ruggs is charged with uh, causing death while driving under the influence. Uh, reports that he was driving at 156 miles an hour with blood levels twice the legal limit when the crash occurs. He was pretty much instantly released by uh, Las Vegas following that. Um, he's had a number of other charges uh, issued as well. I must say, actually, a big shout out to one of the uh, one of the listeners, uh, Morgan, who kind of messaged me and kind of gave me some of the details of the different charges that he would be facing coming off the back of this. But uh, obviously, this is huge for a player who was becoming a key part of that offense. Um, although they've said that, you know, 
this is uh you know this is just a hor- horrendous situation that's happened uh there was um, images or reports of apparently he was just sitting on the ground crying after it happened because i'm not like they, they, i suppose it's a crazy thing of like being 21 22 being a millionaire thinking you're invincible and then fucking things up like this and just ruining your life but uh, also obviously ruining the life of the woman in the other car and and probably multiple other people and all the surrounding families but yeah this was uh this is just crazy crazy news yeah, it's. I mean, it's a terrible mistake that a young man has made, and he's going to pay for it uh, the rest of his life, and he's destroyed what it was a promising NFL career. But there can be no excuses for what it is. You can't driving while drunk is something that society has thankfully over the past ten, twenty years moved against pretty harshly. Um, and to be this drunk, I mean, twice the limit, driving 150 miles an hour. I mean, it's just inexcusable. Uh, and I hope that he's. I mean, there could be criminal punishments, as you say, coming in. He could face jail time. I mean, certainly his life is going to get a lot tougher from here. And, I, and we can only hope that he learns from this and, and never does anything this stupid again. Obviously, that can't bring back the the woman whose life was taken. But maybe he can make it up to society in some other way uh, down the line. Um, but his NFL career is, is well, I mean, I you never say never, but I would say his NFL career is pretty pretty yeah. significantly damaged and it's likely he's never going to play in, in the league again yeah like we're talking like quite 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 high levels of expected years of of, of incarceration if found guilty for for this collection of things and there was a couple of additional charges brought in afterwards um they also had more issues in the uh vegas raiders locker room so cornerback david arnett is or damon arnett is being sued over an alleged hit and run in 2020 he pled guilty to misdemeanor charges for the incident uh but he's also then uh been caught so he was brandishing kind of it looked like some kind of automatic weapon online threatening to kill another person um and they kind of said well we can't be can't be attached to this and decided to cut bait and then as soon as that happened news stories started to come out about how well there was red flags all over the shop for this chap beforehand and they just kind of ignored loads of them so there was something like he crashed four or five uh, rental cars in the space of a month there's a story about him spitting on a valet there's a lot of stuff that are coming out immediately um following this on on, on damon arnett and that's uh it, it's not a great look uh so that's huge character issue resulting in cuts um for two first round picks here for the raiders and like they the yeah it seems it seems that they've kind of gambled and and gambled incorrectly on a number a number of, of, of chaps with spotty paths pasts here yeah i think you're just to speak of the arnett individually first before going on to the wider issue or issues could be a, that could be at hand here obviously just to mention he's been sued right now for something which he already pled guilty to at an incident level obviously the the las vegas raiders chose to keep uh you know playing him and have him on the mm-hmm. roster after having that information um you know you, you can make whatever you want out of that uh, out of that but obviously the woman is looking for financial compensation for the long-term damage that she has had uh, from the incident and as you mentioned there was now a, a series of other incidents um which he is i think he's been potentially i think there's legal repercussions from the spitting incident on the valley so i think he is uh, actually being sued for that as well um but then the one that really kind of broke the dam in terms of like media attention was this video that leaked of him 
waving, as you said, an automatic weapon on camera, threatening to kill someone. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the context was. Probably doesn't matter. Uh, it's just, you know just a terrible thing to do. And as you mentioned, then the team, uh, for better or worse, uh, ended up kind of probably releasing that he had had other red flags up to there through uh, the kind of inside insiders channels that you usually expect. So, look, as you mentioned, for the Raiders... Both of these draw into question their judgment, and, to, and obviously this is also in the context of obviously uh, John Gruden being fired a few weeks ago and having his own questionable opinions and and and, and tolerance for certain behaviors or or beliefs, uh, as long as they presumably uh, are good enough at football. Um, well, that was the, that was the one that do you remember? There was one that flew up immediately after that that everyone was suddenly re going over where. Was it Marquette King, the punter that they that Gruden got rid of, and he said it's nothing to do with his football ability; it's to do with a uh, with, with personal fit or something. And someone, so like the guy who's got all these kind of accusations of racial connotations and, and, and phrasing is now going, oh no, it's a fine, he's a fine football player. It just you know punters are meant to be white. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like 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 there's there's something going on there, and obviously they they've kind of. They've swept some things on the rug, and I think you know just the other context, of course, is that they they only moved to, to Las Vegas in the last year or two. That's a very different city from Oakland. That's a very it's a city with a lot of you know it's a city of sin for lack of a better term. Like it's a city. What do you think? Because like, like, cause, cause, cause that Henry Ruggs thing happened at like four o'clock in the morning or something, wasn't it? So exactly. Like, like it is that kind of like you do kind of wonder if there's some kind of connotation or some kind of connection here to the availability of this around, particularly when you've got 20 year old millionaires. Yeah. And if you're a team moving to Las Vegas, you would think the number one priority is thinking about, okay, how do we minimize the probability that our guys are going to get into trouble? Now, obviously they can't control them 24 seven. Like they are adults. They're going to do their own things, but they should be thinking about this. Yet all the indications that we have from, from the way John Gruden left and what we've heard about him and the Mike Mayock doesn't really seem to have been, you know, in that much control of the team compared to Gruden is that they didn't think about that at all. And they just kind of let it fall where it is. And then you end up with situations like this, um, like teams are supposed to provide, you know, a stable point for these people. And yet yeah, it doesn't feel like the Raiders have been that for uh, many of their people and indeed have been willing to basically, uh, you know, uh, look the other way as long as you were seen to be effective enough on the field. And that kind of culture ultimately uh, can create uh, situations that such unfortunate mm-hmm. situations as we're seeing here. And unfortunately, the, the loss of a life in the Henry Ruggs case. So look, like, you know, Adults making their own decisions, making mistakes, that is one thing. But, you know, the team certainly doesn't come out of this looking good in terms of their ability or willingness to, to kind of uh, have, you know, ameliorated or made these things less likely. Yeah, uh, we'll swing on. We'll have a look at some of the injuries around the league. Um, New Orleans wide receiver Michael Thomas, who was meant to be on track to return this or next week. Uh, it's now been confirmed that he has an ankle injury setback and he's not going to be back this season at all. Uh, that's obviously a huge impact. Baltimore safety to Sean Elliott's torn his bicep and pectoral, and he's gone for the season. And Carolina have lost uh, offensive lineman Matt Paradis, uh, Cam Irvin for at least three weeks, and Sam Darnold is now day-to-day with a shoulder injury that he just got an MRI on. Uh, Chase Edmonds, the running back for Arizona, has an ankle sprain that'll have him out for four to six weeks. And uh, New York Jets, one game phenom, Mike White, uh, injured his forearm and he's now day-to-day, but he is expected to play week 10 and their safest Marcus, safety, Marcus May, has an Achilles injury and he's gone for the season. Um, so obviously the big one here, which is weird given he hasn't played all season, is is Michael Thomas. And uh, the fact that he's 
gone for the season. He was injured for the majority of last season. Um, he's probably, like this means he's out for another year. He's probably coming back a year older, or a year slower, maybe not going to be able to keep that wide receiver one position, particularly with the question marks at the quarterback position for New Orleans. You wouldn't be sure if they'd be wanting to hold on to him, uh, particularly if he's commanding a large salary moving forward. Uh, this might be the end of Michael Thomas in New Orleans uh, and might be the signal of the end of Michael Thomas as a wide receiver one option. Uh, and you kind, of, you kind of have to ask a question or two about was it the staff in the Saints or what that have kind of, let's be honest, taken a year and a half of this guy's prime? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that, that someone who, you know, 2018, 2019 was, was probably the best wide receiver in the league that it's kind of fallen apart uh, like this. I mean, I, I'm not perhaps as convinced or as far down the road as you are in thinking that this might be over for him. Obviously people coming back from injuries, it's, it's very hit and miss. You can never tell when a player is going to bounce straight back to, to normal or come back severely depleted. The longer the injury goes on and we are talking about a season and a half, uh, as you said, of injuries, the, the less likely that they're going, he's going to bounce straight back, but the saints do need him. I mean, it's, Situation where the Saints offense and the Saints as a whole are in transition. They don't really know what they're doing this season. Even though they're still in the playoff hunt, this season feels like a little bit of a, of a write-off. Um, and maybe what they need to do is just to get back to a preseason situation, start thinking about how they move forward. And Thomas becomes a part of that because you have to replace him if you let him go. I mean, it's it's the situation where I think they would prefer to have him available and an option than to start looking elsewhere. I think looking elsewhere is a thing they might do if it if he comes back and it, it isn't seen to be at the level that he was before. I think they'll give him a chance based on his history, based on, on the need. They, I would expect them to give him another shot um, at it um, and maybe then look at issues uh, down the line. But certainly it's, it doesn't look great if you if you have a player to lose this much time to injury. And certainly re- recurrences where a player looks like they're going to come back and then gets hit by further injuries or further setbacks, that's usually not a good sign they're going to bounce back. But I would expect the Saints to to, to wait until um, it's certain that he's not going to go back. Because he's still only 28. I mean, he's not, he's not over the hill by any stretch mm. of the imagination. Um, so it's every possibility he'll bounce back. But I think it's a wait-and-see situation with the Saints from, from my perspective. Yeah, I was just – because I remember that he had – ongoing fighting online with the management and stuff from middle of last season onwards. But I just had a look there. Yeah, they're not getting rid of him next year because he's got like 23 million in dead cap. So they probably need to find a trade if they're going to get rid of him for next year. Um, Yeah, outside of that, then obviously Deshaun Elliott going down for Baltimore is a bit of a hit. Carolina, who were kind of somewhat hitting the doldrums a bit of late. It's a lot to have starting O-lineman gone, Sam Darnold injured, although at the moment, there's big questions over whether that's a positive or a negative if it takes him off the field. And then Cam Irving missing for a few weeks. It's it, it's an O-line that hasn't really been you know, haven't getting quarterback play behind it all that well. It would be hoping to have CMC coming back and playing. So do we think Carolina can turn this around or is this just kind of another nail in the coffin fits? Well, just, just to, to pay to Sean Elliott his due, he is a very good safety, kind of one of these underrated players on the kind of vaunted Ravens defense and mm. you know he's one of those young safeties that meant that they went away from their long-term 
uh, project of having kind of veteran safeties like Earl Thomas and stuff like that. So he is definitely a loss for them. And there's, you know, the the people who do analytics and stuff can show that the games that he's missed previously, the Ravens have taken a step back. But like, yeah, like in terms of Carolina, like they're still in with a shot because the NFC seventh, like like wildcard spot, like the seventh seed is basically a complete mess right now. So I wouldn't count anyone out. And TMC came back, had over 100 yards. He, he wasn't quite full TMC, but he definitely was like 90 or 95% of him. And yeah, Sam Darnold, obviously, uh, you know, is he the problem or is he the question or the solution? We don't really know right now. Uh, but certainly if the offensive line is getting even more damaged, and this is an offensive line that was quite, you know, not that highly regarded to begin with, then, yeah, you're going to have severe issues mm. uh, around that. So, look, Caroline aren't out of it just because the NFC is a bit of a mess at, at, at the kind of lower wildcard spot. But, uh, yeah, definitely a big hit for them. And look, Jace Edmonds, uh, I think, you know, he's been very effective, but I think we kind of saw that, I think anyone could be effective as a running back for Arizona right now. They're just that kind of got the offense, which uh, there's so many people missing from the box because of how dynamic there are. And then for the Jets, look, we'll talk about Mike White uh, next in, in the previews, but uh, Marcus May, he's a good player. He's obviously missing uh, for them now. I think he might've been on the tag as well. Uh, so that's a bit of an issue for them, but uh, yeah, Mike White, uh, we're not quite done yet. And all the reports indicate right now that they are planning to play him in week 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, what I'll probably do before we move on to the games is, given it's the uh, it's the halfway of the season, we should probably just have a quick quick fly through our our uh, our preseason predictions, see how they stand. We've actually a few more are still standing than I was expecting, um, because normally we're very far off the mark on these. Okay, so first up, uh, we had comeback player of the year. Um, We've all swapped this to being Dak Prescott at this point. Uh, I had Christian McCaffrey, Fitzhugh had Dak, and Sean, you were Saquon. But yeah, look, this is, I think Christian McCaffrey was looking good until he got injured again. Saquon, probably similar. Dak has just looked very, very good. He's locking himself in. It makes perfect sense that he's going to be the leader in the clubhouse for this, right? Is there anyone else who's pushing up? Well, hopefully he stays healthy. That's the main thing. Obviously, he's yeah. a couple of uh, he did miss last week. Uh, not the, we, yeah, last I, week I, I, he was I, injured I against if, Denver. I, I don't know if we're going to gonna mention the thing, but like yeah, like to avoid that, things like if you are down by thirty points, don't have him run a two point conversion for absolutely no fucking point with thirty <laughs> seconds left in the game. Just 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 a hint there to the coaching staff in Dallas. But yeah, Dak Prescott, breakout player of the year. Not Clyde Hilaire, not CD Lamb, not Joe Burrow. Although Joe Burrow is having a decent enough season, uh, although it's kind of gone down the shit of the last two weeks. Uh, I've gone for Trayvon Diggs. Fitz, you've now gone for Corderell Patterson. And Sean, you've gone for Mike White. So all ones who have kind of surprised, I think, uh, in, in how, how well they've been playing. Yeah. Yeah, like I had Diggs originally, but then I saw one of you guys was doing it. So I'm like, hey, let's give Cordell Patterson his due. He's having a phenomenal, <laughs> like, 31-age season, being basically the entirety of the Atlanta Falcons offense. And right now, the Atlanta Falcons are in the playoffs. I know I don't believe it either. Uh, so <laughs> fair play to Cordell Patterson for, uh, you know, breaking, breaking through right now. Yeah, no, of course. Next up, we had Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I had Mac Jones, Fitz had Trevor Lawrence, and Sean had Trey Lance. Uh, we've all kind of gone for Jamar Chase across the board now. Uh, he's having an incredible breakout. I've kind of got the Mac attack still there just because of the bias towards, we'll talk about it later, but like the bias towards a quarterback if they happen to do okay. Um, but yeah, Jamar Chase is probably hands down the best rookie at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah he's, slow he's, down he's, a little bit recently. Yeah, he's, he wasn't great last week, but uh, and he may have been figured out a tiny bit, but he is... 
he is the Bengals offense or the, or the big chunk of that Bengals offense that was doing so well up until uh, a few weeks ago. He's explosive and he's he makes big plays and he's part of an exciting team. And I mean, I, I get the I get the quarterback thing. The, the the wide receivers have to be more impressive, but he's just given the the concerns over him going into the season. And there wasn't yeah. you know, the worry that he couldn't catch balls or anything. He's looked <laughs> amazing. And the connection with Burrow is is they've got a real kind of deep connection to the college years and such like. So, yeah, I think it's, I think he's, he's, he should, if he continues on the pace that he's on, I think he should be comfortable enough because there isn't, no other quarterbacks have really stepped up. Mac Jones has been the best of what has been a pretty mediocre batch of quarterbacks. And usually a quarterback wins offensive rookie, but not if there's not a standout, I think. Chase, yeah. uh, head and shoulders above them all. Yeah. And shout out to all the real football fans who are arguing that Rashawn Slater should get it. The offensive lineman <laughs> is not getting it. Just, you <laughs> Um, defensive rookie of the year, me and Fitz are sticking with Micah Parsons. Uh, Sean, you're swapping from Jamin Davis to Christian Barrymore. Yeah, I mean, okay, Micah Parsons is going to win this because he plays for the Cowboys and he's very good. But I just wanted to give a shout out to, to Christian Barrymore, who's a little bit under the radar. He's plays for the Pats. He doesn't get an awful lot of statistical. He's not a Matt Judon type with with flashy sleeves that that goes and rushes people but he's really <laughs> stepping up in a defense that is coming into its own and he's he's a big kind of fan favorite in, in in pat circles all the kind of the pats blogs and the podcast love christian barmore so i just wanted to give him a shout out even though he's not going to win this award because he's he doesn't do the flashy shit but he's he's part the comparisons are to people like will fork there's even been some kind of whispered comparisons to Aaron Donald, perhaps in years down the road that he could be of that level of explosiveness. But uh, yeah, he's, he's defense he is he's defensive lineman of the future. And he's, he's going to be a big part of that pass defense mm. uh, down to the coming years. So I just want to give good. Uh, defense player of the year. Uh, I've swapped from Chris Jones, to Miles Garrett fits a swap from Aaron Donald to Miles Garrett and Sean, you're sticking with Aaron Donald on there, all performing extremely well. So all kind of makes sense. Uh, MVP pick, uh, you guys were Pat Mahomes and you both swapped to Tom Brady. I was Josh Allen. I swapped to Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, fun times. Uh, yeah, uh, Pat, like Pat Mahomes reason... definitely not an MVP form at the moment. Tom Brady <laughs> doing pretty well. Yeah, like the only reason they wouldn't give to Tom Brady is because like they've given it to him, you know, too many times. And I definitely think if if Josh Allen was having a good season, if Kyler wasn't missing a few weeks, I would definitely have him up because Josh Allen shit the bed last week, and Kyler Murray's missing some games. Tom Brady's gonna win it. I think, I think it, it, it depends on how many games Kyler Murray misses, yeah. but I think like they, yeah, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, top long snapper, we're all sticking with our picks: Winchester, Harris, and Cheeseman. Uh, so we'll go to the not so good. We're all sticking with our worst defensive backs, uh, Dunbar, Flowers and Apple. I've had a great website that gave me like the average uh, stats allowed by all of the defensive backs. And it was just like <laughs> Quentin Dunbar allows 22 yards on average per reception and has a 70 percent completion rate when thrown at. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty poor to me. Yeah, And um, Trey Flowers <laughs> got cut. Eli Apple, every time he comes into the game, makes Cincinnati's defense like yeah. twice as bad. So noticeably, well. noticeably like, like, worse. He makes the, the, them noticeably worse. I, 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 I will say, there is, an, there is an objectively correct answer to this, which is Daniel Sorensen. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Does he even count as a defensive back? <laughs> yeah, because he, he kind of just plays in between. It just, yeah, he's, oh, he's just so bad. Why do they keep letting him fucking play? <laughs> ah, look. Most penalty awards, uh, me and Fitz have gone for Alex Leatherwood and Sean has gone for Trayvon Diggs. Um, yeah, like just, you know, they'll tend to put up. Yeah. 
they'll tend to put up uh, I mean the, the Diggs things is noticeable because he's having such a quote unquote good season because he's having all these interceptions yet some of his stats are just all over the place he gives up huge plays but he also is near the top of, of the penalty yards at the moment he's one of these explosive boomer bust players and unfortunately he tends to bust a lot more than people seem to remember they remember the big interceptions they don't tend to remember that he costs his team as much as he gains for them so uh, yeah, yeah. No, to no, highlight that that makes sense. The Jamarcus Hype Train Crash Award. So I had said that this was going to be Kyle Pitts, and for the first couple of weeks, that looked to be spot on. Uh, I've swapped now to the Washington defense, much vaulted going into the year, how it's going to be incredible, and it's been absolutely terrible. Uh, Fitz? Yeah, I went for a rookie QBs. If Mac Jones is like the best, and he's... Oh, I'm just, sorry, you're not going to mention who you went for beforehand? So? Oh, sorry, I went for Jamar. <laughs> <laughs> Jamar Chase is my hype. <laughs> failure <laughs> word i i i already ate uh i already ate that earlier in, in earlier episodes of this season but yeah obviously an absolutely uh ridiculous pick for myself despite the <laughs> fact that you pick kyle pitts and sean pick mac jones i somehow have ended up looking like the biggest idiot uh, <laughs> we were very wrong on the hype train this year mm. well, i think it was also there, there was also a very limited number of things that were hype trains really uh and sean yeah, so I had Mac Jones, and he has performed better than I thought, and now I'm going to give to Trevor Lawrence. I I may look very stupid saying this, but I don't think Lawrence is going to make it as an NFL elite quarterback. I, I don't think it's a talent thing. I think it's an attitude thing. I think he's not used to losing, and he doesn't know how to deal with the the pressure of playing for a bad team. And I, I think he's used to things all through his high school and college. I think he had things too easy, and I think he hasn't developed that mental fortitude so I question if he's going to be able to overcome the challenges that he's going to face playing for a really terrible team for a number of years. So yeah. definitely this season and possibly down the line, I think Trevor Lawrence will continue to be at the hype train crash. Yeah, that could, that's an interesting take. And actually, yeah, I could definitely see that. Our low expectation awards, the Sanchise, which is the most embarrassing moment uh, award. So we've updated all of these. So I've now gone to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders standing by John Gruden and him joking about the content of his emails before the rest of the content of the emails came out and he was fired two days later. Yeah, and basically uh, uh, that's probably accurate, but I kind of went for the follow-on, which is, you know, they released these emails that made uh, John Gruden look really bad and got him fired. And it's like, what about all the other emails? And the NFL's like, uh, what other emails? Uh, let's forget about <laughs> this. Uh, they never existed. The investigation's over and there'll be no more leaks. Uh, so release the goddamn emails, unleash the storm and let the entire Washington organization fall in on itself uh, like it has deserved to for decades at this point. Nah, it feels fair. And Sean? Yeah, I've gone for the entire Aaron Rodgers COVID episode, which is just a, an embarrassment all round, as we've already talked about. And uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is going to is a hole he's not going to get out of anytime soon in terms of public perception. I think for Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think I, th- I think the uh, I think the obvious follow up to that is we've got the worst quote of the year. You've got a <laughs> you've got a fun <laughs> one for this. So I've got Aaron Rodgers saying uh, the great MLK said you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules and rules that that make no sense. Um, yeah, it's uh, pure on. Oh, I mean, you, you could you could take the entire interview, but uh, yeah, the fact is, quote Martin Luther King in in defense of his ability to infect other people with a deadly illness is uh, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. that's pretty much peak Aaron uh, in terms of this entire thing. On top of this, could you imagine like if you knew they were vaccinated, having to go into a huddle where they have to stand and scream <laughs> at your face from about six inches away? And Rogers is a screamer. He does shout at people when they're not doing things yeah. that he wants them to do. So yeah. Fitzy. 
Yeah, I had just the, this one technically could have been got preseason where Aaron Rodgers told everyone, "Yeah, I I have been immunized," and we mm. now know that immunized does not equal vaccinated. Uh, Very and, true. <laughs> and, uh, just, my my quote of the year is still uh, I think it's an implied quote rather than anything else. It said, uh, "I heard the vaccine might help my family, so I said I wasn't going to get the vaccine from Aaron Rodgers." Um, now okay. we get the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Dumpster fire of the year. We're all sticking with them. I had the Lions. Oh sweet God, the Lions, and so did Sean. And uh, you had Houston and Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah. So those are all still pretty fucking terrible situations. Those are two of the bottom three teams. Uh, surprise package team. Actually, do you know what? On the actual prediction ones i'm quite happy i'm sticking with all of my prediction ones um surprise package team i had the patriots uh they have come out firing a lot better than we we're expecting are only what a game and a half back in their own division less half a game half a half game, a game. <laughs> oh god they're coming for you uh yeah the pa- patriots have been a bit spicier than everyone was expecting so i'm uh, pretty happy with that fits you swap from washington who to be fair loss of a quarterback is generally going to have that impact and you've swapped on to Arizona, like, look, I don't think any of us had them doing badly, but we did have, I think all of us, except for Harry, uh, in the previews had them coming last in the NFC West, albeit a really good division based on our, our predictions. And I think... No, even... I, I, I had them above the Seahawks. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But, uh, look, Arizona, like, I think, you know, they're the best team in the NFL based on record right now. They just won a game with Cole McCoy, a quarterback. I am willing to eat crow here and say, look, Arizona, they have been uh, much better than expected. Cliff Kingsbury, you, you win. For now. <laughs> For now. And uh, Sean, you swapped from the Chargers, who have been okay, but have fallen off in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes, I, I was going to go for the Cardinals too, because it is the technically correct answer. They are the surprise package. No one expected the Cardinals to be eight and one, except maybe Harry, who didn't uh, tell us about his uh, his opinions on the Cardinals preseason. Um, but I wanted to go for a team that is was surprising up to date and will continue to be a surprise. They will do better than people think. So I've gone for the Patriots as well. I really like this defense and I think they're going to shake some teams up in the second half of the season and, and could actually make a playoff run if all things come together. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a bit of Pat's bias there, but but I'm beginning to believe in this team, which is, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't expect that I would. Yeah. AFC champion, I'm sticking with Cleveland. Uh, you're actually swapping from Kansas City to Cleveland, John. Yeah, I mean, they're 5-4, and four. they haven't had their best season, but watching them against the Bengals, I think there's a team coming together there, and if they stay mm-hmm. healthy, and that is the big question, if they stay healthy, especially on the defensive end, they're going to be very hard to stop because they've got a great defense, like a really top-quality defense, they've got a fantastic running game, and if Baker Mayfield doesn't make too many mistakes, they, they will be very hard to beat if they get into their groove. Yeah, and Fitz, you had KC and you've moved to Buffalo. Yeah, like obviously I was considering changing this after what happened uh, just a week gone by. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I, you know, I think they, the the offense hasn't been quite where it needed to be this year. But I think the defense has greatly improved. So I think Buffalo can turn this around, get the offense back on track. And if they can do that, then overall I see them as the most complete team from QB uh, to DB. Uh, so I'm putting my faith in Buffalo that they can get it done. Uh, but a bit like KC, I, I might end up being disappointed in kind of seeing things that I want to see uh, mm. or that they turn it around because they are such a good team uh, rather than based on the evidence uh, put in front of me this week. Yeah, NFC Championship, we champions, we've stuck with our picks. Me and Sean have the Rams and Fitz has Green Bay. And for the Super Bowl winner, um, I've got Cleveland. Sean has the Rams and Fitz has Green Bay. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. So we're at the halfway point and we've got three separate selections of who's going to win. So uh, we're clearly, you know, uh, in lockstep on this. 
<laughs> and none of them are the current best team in the NFL, which is the no. <laughs> best record in the NFL. So yeah, it's, yeah, we, we don't we, you know, we don't believe in you, Cliff, that much yet. You know, like like <laughs> like like. like Arizona definitely feel like a team that like has what one loss going to the playoffs and then like loses in the divisional round. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That that is what they they feel like a team that's going to be beaten by the first good team they face in the playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the Rams could be a team like that as well. I just the the Super Bowl is going to be in their home building, and I and I think the if the Bucks have shown us anything last year is that if you have the Super Bowl in your home building, it gives you quite an advantage. So if they get to that Super Bowl, I think they're going to be hard to beat the Rams, even if they're not quite as good as we thought they would be. Yeah, that's also the thing that they're not too far off being able to lock up, just being able to sit at home for the whole way, isn't it? Like they just need to. Uh, they have to win their division, which is going to be tough with the Cardinals. But uh, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it, it, it's it, it's there on the table as an option. Uh, and on that lovely note, we're going to swing and have a look at the games from last week. So first up, Minnesota at Baltimore, 31 to 34 in overtime. Oh, Lord, didn't I say it? Minnesota cannot beat a playoff team. Uh, they blow it again as Lamar goes for 266, three touchdowns, two interceptions passing and 120 on the ground. Uh, Hollywood Brown went over 100. It was, it, was, it was very exciting because this was a game that Minnesota held in their hand. They were up. Uh, they'd had a great one. Jefferson had a 50-yard touchdown. Cook was running well. Uh, like, you know, this was... This was the classic Minnesota game. Kirk Cousins did very little but enough. 187 yards and two touchdowns. The running game got going. They were able to get a lead. And then as it started to come down, there was a bit of pressure on them. You're like, yep, they're going to crack. Yep, they're not going to be able to keep these guys off. Yep, the quality of the other team, because they're an over 500 team, is going to show through. And they're not going to be able to pull this off. And that's what happened. We get to the overtime. We see them make mistakes. We see the Ravens be able to capitalize. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was an exciting game. Uh, it was great to watch the, the the collapse. I do somewhat take joy in that now, uh, more so than I ever thought I would. Uh, so it turns out I can enjoy watching Kirk Cousins, but I only like watching the last three or four minutes as the hope leaves his eyes. Yeah, like, like I think when when you have like a uh, kick return touchdown with the first play in the second half you're kind of going usually oh this is good and it puts you 24 10 up oh this is a this is a really good chance for this team to win and then you see oh it's the minnesota vikings and they're playing a good team well this won't matter at all and what's worse is that like they obviously you know then did nothing basically for the entire second half until they went uh, until they went behind again and then they showed up and had a touchdown at the very end to go to overtime and then they got a turnover in overtime and then they still lost anyway because this is the minnesota vikings it's not just that they blew a 24 to 10 lead and they did it in the most pathetic way possible where their defense basically completely collapsed and their offense disappeared despite you know putting out 17 points in the first half and as you said having those early explosive plays there's been so many times this year the minnesota vikings had early drives that look really good and then just they sputter out and do nothing for entire halves um but to then have shown enough fight to get back to overtime and then to get the turnover and then to fail anyway. That's just, that's just, yeah, that's just classic, classic yeah. Mike Zimmer, Minnesota Viking stuff. They're still going to be in the playoffs, Sean. I'm sorry. Like, it's just going to happen. But, like, this is exactly yeah. why don't we don't know. want them in the playoffs. I don't know. Like, like I'm because not sure the they NFC are. is shit. The yeah, NFC like, is shit. Are they better than the Falcons? The yes. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, like, are, we, are we at the point? Are we at the point that we need to start looking at? Because I don't think it really darts a huge amount. Like Mike Zimmer, 
surely they have to be looking at a coaching change at some point here that like the vision of this boring ass fucking thing when you have a top end running back a top end wide receiver actually two top end wide receivers and you constantly extend Kirk Cousins and you play this conservative bullshit football and your defense that you're meant to be quite good on has not even playing up to the standards the last couple of years like surely this is a coach who keeps losing games that should be considered maybe for the axe yeah, but he he lives in the uh, you know and appropriately considering <laughs> who he coached under, he lives in the Marvin Lewis zone where he's making the playoffs more often than he isn't. But then they do nothing in the playoffs except for that one miracle play where where they beat New Orleans. So I suppose he did one thing better than Marvin Lewis. So well done. Uh, yeah. So they did like they're just not bad enough to fire him, but not good enough to make you want to be a Minnesota Vikings fan. Uh, but like it's just yeah. I'd like to be fair. To the Vikings, they did a come against Lamar Jackson, who is quickly blowing out all narratives about not being able to do a comeback. This is another game where Lamar Jackson was put in a hole and put the team on his back and just ran the entire offense through himself uh, after you know having a slow start in this game. You know, passing the ball effectively. Uh, you know, finding Patrick Hart a couple of times. That was kind of a weird drive where they got that was important in the second half to get back into this game. Finding Hollywood Brown deep and obviously just continued to be you know one of the most effective rushers in the NFL. Um, so, you know, to be fair to the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar, all those narratives, he's disproving them a lot this year. I think if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, you would probably prefer if they went back to being boring and leading most of the games and so not having to have comebacks. But, hey, hey, they're a more exciting team here and they're certainly getting practice that could end up being very important in the playoffs where this type of situation uh, is more likely to occur. Uh, but, yeah, uh, just a cla- yeah, this definitely has felt like a game where, you know, the, two, the things we all know about these two teams... Uh, based on what we've seen this season, definitely came true and just came true to the fore at the end of the game. Uh, and yeah, Minnesota, uh, they're not going to go away, but uh, please go away if, you, if you're if you willing to. <laughs> uh, and I'm so, I'm really, really mad at Justin Tucker. We were 30 seconds away from the Vikings getting that crucial tie that they're going to need for 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and, and once again, we are denied. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get another chance. I mean, surely the Vikings can't keep having ridiculously close games that uh, they either lose or, or eke out uh, at the end. But, uh, yeah, they, the possession in overtime from the Vikings just pathetic. Like, they did all the hard work. They're, they're, they were in their defense was facing into field goal territory. They looked like they were they were going to be in trouble. Then they got the interception. Suddenly, the whole thing opens up for them, and they can't even – they go three and out. Like, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I do think there have to be questions. I agree with you, Connor, about Mike Zimmer because the – Talent in this offense is unquestioned, except for maybe Cousins. I mean, they have great wide receivers, great running back, et cetera, et cetera. But they always fall short when the chips are down. When a push comes to shove and the pressure comes on, they always fall short. And, I mean, I think it's a mentality thing or, or a play call, conservative call, what you will. But they're just they're just not going to be uh, good enough uh, in the end. Uh, and Baltimore, 6-2, and two, but I'm not convinced. They're winning games, but yeah. they're not blowing teams away. I... I I think they're they're they might end up the number one seed in the AFC because the AFC is a bit all over the place, but I don't see them getting too far in the playoffs because I think they're too reliant on Lamar and they don't have other options when when teams start to figure them out as we've seen them do in the past. So uh, yeah, two teams I'm not overly convinced about, but for different reasons and in different places. But uh, please, no more Vikings. Stop making me watch Vikings games, Fitz. 
I'm very annoyed about the constant <laughs> constant Vikings on on the top of this podcast. It's it's unacceptable. They, they just lose in spectacular fashion, and they're slightly more interesting than the Falcons. So they usually have to be mer- they merit a review technically. And so, the Falcons, unfortunately, because they're in the playoff on now, we'll be talking about them later on. Sorry about that, Sean. <laughs> uh, following on from that, where we had scoring on the ground, scoring through the air, and scoring through special teams. Who wants? Fuck all scoring. Buffalo at Jacksonville, <laughs> six to nine. Jacksonville mm. decide to get nice. super duper gritty and pull off probably the biggest surprise win of the year so far. And it's hard to see what would be a bigger surprise when further down there. Um, their defense, three turnovers, five sacks, less than five or about three hundred yards allowed. Um, this obviously had the, the the slight online problem of everyone going, oh my God, Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen's intercepting Josh Allen. Isn't this the most amazing thing in the world? Uh, but Josh Allen, the defensive player, did have a hell of a game. Interception, sack, fumble recovery, and two tackles for a loss. Uh, whereas the quarterback was 264, two interceptions and a fumble. Did not have a good day at all. Jacksonville offense looked terrible. As you said, Lawrence just didn't really seem to be doing much. He passed from about 100 yards or so, um, but didn't make mistakes and allowed the defense uh, and and the kickers obviously to kind of pull all the rest of the stuff together for them but this was like okay look it's a great statement win for Jacksonville it's a big big win in the column of uh, of the coaching staff to be able to put together this kind of scheme but it's a huge ginormous red flag for Buffalo for me going on the road to Jacksonville who this is their first win at home uh, since last season, because their only win in the last twenty something games is came from came in London. So this is this is the team that they come in and they put up six points against. Like it's very confusing to me. And like I know everyone has an off day, but it didn't look like anything too unusual was happening here. It just seemed like they just didn't. They got punched in the mouth and they weren't expecting it. Like. Yeah, I mean, the Bills have been threatening to have a game like this all season. Their offense has just not been where it's been uh, last year, and they were getting away with it. And it kind of felt in this game as well they were going to get away with it. You always felt that, okay, that the Jags are holding town and their defense is doing quite well, but the Bills are eventually going to find their groove and get the touchdown drive, and they'll eke it out, and they might even win comfortably in the end, as they did against the Dolphins last week, as they've been doing all along but suddenly they just didn't suddenly it was fourth and 16 and there was a minute left and their the game was over and they'd lost it and it's hard to explain because the jags the ja- i mean you got to give props to the jags for the defensive performance they turned up in terms of execution they did everything that was asked of them but they didn't really do anything fancy other than kind of pressure they got a lot of pressure on allen forced him to move around a lot but allen is a mobile quarterback his entire thing is that he's he makes decisions on the run and he can do things um, that 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 other quarterbacks can't. He should be capable now in, in like whatever this is the fourth year of his NFL career to be able to deal with a few people running at him more than just suddenly kind of making these kinds of mistakes. He had two interceptions. The first one was just a really bad decision on his part. Second one was a little unlucky. He was under pressure and he kind of threw the ball up trying to get it out of bounds, but he didn't quite throw it anywhere near good enough and right into the hands of the other Josh Allen. So, I mean, you can blame him a little bit for that as also being... Bad, but yeah, it's a setback for the Bills, and they've had a couple of bad losses. If you the Titans lost, okay, you can say it was 50 50, sometimes you win it, sometimes you do it. But you think back to week one, the Steelers' failure, and you think to this, they do have a weeks, they do have weaknesses, they do have weeks where they just don't turn up. They're not quite for all their great record and how good they've looked at their peak this season, they're not quite where they were last season. They don't have that explosiveness. Stefan Diggs isn't having a great year, Josh Allen isn't having the same year as well. 
you'd be worried that they'd have more of these games coming down the stretch. And in an AFC, which is there for the taking, they could be the number one seed if they just turn up every week. But it doesn't look like uh, they're going to. So you'd have to be worried for the Bills. And as a Pats fan, I'm loving this. I'm loving the fact that <laughs> the Bills have to fight for their division um, after looking like they were going to run uh, away with it. Uh, and for Jacksonville, yeah, I mean, great defensive performance, even if they didn't do anything special. They just had one of those days where everything went right. I would be a little bit worried, as I said, about Trevor Lawrence. Every week when he just doesn't show his stuff must be a worry for Jags fans. I know we talk about Peyton Manning had a terrible rookie year and then he was great, et cetera, et cetera. But Lawrence is just not stepping up. He's not improving, which is the thing that we worried about. He's not getting any better. He seems to have, whether this is his rookie level and he's just going to play at this level for the rest of the year or if this is just generally he's just not up to it. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a couple of years before we really know whether Trevor Lawrence has got it or not. But certainly this season, I don't see anything coming from him. Um, but yeah, every Jags win is, is is a great celebration for them. So congrats to them um, for what was a great defensive performance for the Bills. They've got to got to find out what's wrong and fix it because this is just not good enough. I look like the Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime jokes. Like <laughs> there was a ball on them, but some of them were pretty funny. Uh, like I thought the best one I saw was the the image from Captain Phillips of like I am the Josh Allen now. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt a slightly inappropriate. But yeah, it was uh yeah like look like, like fair play to Josh Allen the def- the defensive end he absolutely you know took his opportunity and made Joe Joe Cullen who's been pretty terrible this year defensive coordinator and like just to be clear this win had nothing to do with Urban Meyer he is a very lucky man to get this win because uh, you know if they had a half decent offense they obviously could have won this game easily considering how well the defense did but uh, yeah just a bit of a shock game there I think uh, Sean said most of what needs to be said about this game yeah uh, next up Chargers at Philadelphia 27 to 24 uh, this was a shooting shootout match between two very different styles of offense obviously the Chargers were going to the air Herbert hit 356 yards and two touchdowns they just kind of did you know big long fucking drives fourth down conversions they had no problem dealing with the secondary that Philly had there uh, but on the other sides Philly were just like, Do you know what? Passing's for suckers. I like running the ball, mostly because I don't trust my quarterback to pass it all that much, but also because he's got wheels and we've got about 12 running backs on the roster. So in a very unusual, particularly because Philly are kind of famous over the last couple of years for completely forgetting that they have a run game and for and yeah, not like that properly. They're now just going, fuck it, 170 yards in the ground. Howard gets 70, Hertz gets 62, Scott gets 40. Like Smith passed for 116 yards and they were in this till the till the bitter end. Um, it was uh, it was it was an interesting one because it felt like Philadelphia were getting. We're doing a good job of getting stuff out of this offense, but also that it was quite a limited tool set that they were kind of working with. Whereas for the Chargers, it felt like they had everything they needed, but sometimes just weren't sure what was the best way to, to, to make use of it. Like it felt like if you gave the, the players that were on the Chargers to the coaching staff that were on Philly, that they would make a lot more out of that than uh, than the Chargers were, but I don't know if that was just a you know responding to the to the game situation and them not really expecting it to be a ninety percent run game playing against a team from nineteen forty six. Yeah, it was kind of an unusual game because, as you say, like the two teams were basically taking completely different approaches. To be fair to Philly, 
like the the Los Angeles Chargers, their de- run defense is the worst in the league statistically. So it wasn't exa- didn't exactly take a genius to figure out, hey, maybe we should run the ball. And as you also rightfully pointed out, like the Eagles spent like the first like month of this season refusing to run the ball with a you know like with, with a dual threat quarterback <laughs> and absolutely crapping the bed for for long periods of time. And they seem to have figured out in the last few weeks actually. What if we run the ball? And perhaps the, the, the magic spice that they needed was uh, Jordan Howard, apparently, who's had uh, two weeks here where he's been like the lead back in this backfield. Uh, well, it was kind of half and half with him and Scott last week. But this week he was definitely the yeah, just run it literally right through the middle with Jordan Howard like it's like three years ago. Uh, and it basically worked for long stretches of this game. And they had some pretty good runs. And, you know, that set up the passing game even though it was quite limited and in particular set of Devontae Smith who had a pretty good game he had over 100 yards and a touchdown here so that seems like a template that it should at least give Philly a reasonable season I don't think they're likely to be uh, either in the playoffs although given how bad the NFC wildcard situation they could sneak in I suppose but even if they get there they're not really a threat but it's enough to kind of build a foundation and then they can look about whether they want to go in the Hurts going forward or, or kind of uh, you know maybe go in a different direction but it, it's good enough to win some games unfortunately in this game their their secondary got absolutely beat up now Darius Slay was injured they have a few other injuries as well but Darius Slay and uh, they were just sliced and diced by Justin Herbert he had a good bounce back game after having those two poor games against Baltimore and New England and I I think we were all hoping that he could make that 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 back and he basically kind of kept the chargers going enough uh, that they kind of didn't fall behind this game and keenan allen actually had a 100 yards game he kind of had the central part of the passing offense again uh, which is good to see after having a fairly quiet season albeit mike williams you'd probably like to see him be, get back to full health but yeah i think you know for the chargers the big difference for them again was that they made that fourth down conversion on their final drive and that's been a consistent theme for them is that there's been lots of games this year that uh, Brandon Staley's been willing to be incredibly aggressive um, and sometimes it hasn't worked out but more often than not that has worked out it was definitely a victory for analytics in the final drive getting those six minutes and winning out this game with the with the kick um, so yeah I think for the Chargers they're maybe not quite where we were hyped up on them a month ago but I think they're not a bad team I think they're definitely still a playoff contender and if they if they can get, can get that run defense sorted then I definitely think they can get creep back into the talk of uh, an AFC contender at the top end yeah uh, next up Grand Bay, Green Bay at Kansas City 7-13 to um, so this was Love's debut following, as we discussed <laughs> a couple of times earlier, Aaron Rodgers' interesting approach to uh, becoming the white Martin Luther King. Um, he stuttered through his debut because obviously <laughs> starting off in Arrowhead is not exactly the best place to go. Very loud and very hostile environment. Um, the team were able to be pretty effective on the ground, getting nearly five yards of carry, and their defense did a pretty good job, only allowing about 230 yards. But they just weren't able to... to to get it done they had a couple of big special teams mistakes uh missed field goals a special teams fumble and stuff um and to be fair to Jordan Lovuck it's his first game in there and he's also got like the defense the Kansas City defense had kind of opened up quite a bit on this uh started doing some new things that they hadn't done in a while and uh was it not playing Daniel Sorensen <laughs> no, unfortunately, Daniel Sarson was there. They just didn't. He was there for the touchdown, but I thought he played. Yeah, best, yeah right? he actually he actually gave up the one fucking touchdown that the guys got. Um, because yeah, but uh, but no things like uh, bringing bringing in um, Ingram on one side and putting Chris Jones back down the middle. There was an awful lot of uh, free rushers coming out. There was a lot of blitzing because I think that knew that that would work against against Jordan Love, and that was a positive. The Kansas City defense looked an awful lot better here. Although, like we said, it was against uh, effectively a, a rookie, but. 
But um, the, the the worrying thing for Kansas City is obviously that the offense didn't seem to be going anywhere. Mahomes was sub 200 yards. He only had one touchdown. There was two field goals in it. His, at the very end to ice the game, it looked pretty good. It looked almost like old school Mahomes for the last kind of 30 seconds to a minute. Uh, but for the, the most part... Drive as well, that was pretty good as well. Yeah, but like for, for the most part of this game, there was very little going. And like, look, the Green Bay do actually have a very good defense this year and they've been able to shut down very good offenses. So I do put something in that, but like there's just, there's just a rhythm not being found here that it's, it's one of those that I'm completely fine to say, look, they could find that gear and it'll all be okay in a couple of games time or something. And look, they're playing badly and they're five and four, but it is a spot where at the moment, even if the defense starts playing very well, I I need the offense to kick up at least two more gears before I'd be happy to have them playing anywhere else. From the Green Bay side, this kind of feels like a uh, like an unfortunate confirmation that no matter how insane Rodgers is, Green Bay are going to have to appease him because Jordan Love, at least initially, doesn't seem like the answer. Yeah, he's he's not up to it. Um, and I don't know if that's a psychological thing, being intimidated by Arrowhead or just an ability thing, but he was... Very poor throw. The throw mechanics was very bad. When when any time there was any kind of pressure, he kind of panicked. Uh, they they co- kind of abandoned the passing game after the first drive when they realized it wouldn't work and just went, we'll run this as much as we possibly can and we'll only throw when we're like third and 17 and we have no other options when we have to throw the ball. And he eventually got into it. He had a couple of good throws near the end, but I, 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 I if as an audition for future... Packers starting QB. This this was very disappointing, and I I do think we may have to blame Aaron Rodgers for this a little bit, because this kid has been, you know, has been put down by Rodgers for for eighteen months, has been put in his place. Rodgers is the big dick in the building, and he lets everyone know about it. And you, I think he probably got to this kid a little bit about you're not, you shouldn't be here, you're not good enough to hold my water the you're the only time i will let you in to to play is when i don't want to do the kneel down at the end of the game which he did a couple of weeks ago which i thought was a really dick move it was like i couldn't be bothered to do the victory formation send in the kid to do it i think it's tough like that that kind of grinds on a player and when he has to step up and, and you know i can see how someone's confidence could drain away very quickly in terms of that so i would blame rogers for this defeat not only because he didn't play but also because I think he's gotten under Jordan Love's skin, which is not good. It's good for Rodgers because it makes him undisputed number one. But for the Green Bay going forward, it's not very good, which is a disappointment because in this game, the defense played really well. They dealt with well with all the threats the Chiefs threw at them. Uh, and they were looking like they the defense deserved to win this game, but the offense obviously didn't. Obviously, the special teams errors. Their holder had a really bad game. You could almost hear Mason Crosby shouting laces out every time he went for a field goal when the guy just <laughs> kept refusing to turn the damn ball around, which led to a missed field goal and a blocked field goal. And they also had two muffed punts, which was just uh, very bad. So for the Packers, a write-off game, kind of move on to next week. You're still 7-2. and two, Everything's okay. For the Chiefs, obviously, a little bit more worried. The big thing here is that the offense is is really, really – it looks it looks bad, though. Yards per – attempt here where like they're like four yards per pass attempt or something which is just i mean it's anti-chiefs it's the exact opposite of the ways the chiefs have had to play and we've talked about this cover two and the shell defense and the way teams have reacted to the chiefs but the chiefs have to find a way to to solve this problem right they have the talent there's no question that they have great like a world-class quarterback and great receivers but they have to find a way to adjust in terms of the plays to this problem so that they force teams 
force defeat defenses to play the way they want to play rather than playing to respond to them. What I think that she's probably need is some sort of like slot receiver, a Welker type Edelman type person to keep that middle section open and the threat mm. throughout the whole thing, or more of a running game. We saw Williams had a very was very good in the first drive here. What you need to do is force those opposing defenses to pull those safeties down a little to to cheat up just a little bit, just to be worried about the fact that this the Chiefs could turn into the the peak New England Patriots and just walk the ball down the field constantly. And if you do that, then you open up the long ball, then you open up Hill and. and and, and all those kinds of things that you want to do. Um, and I think that's the Chiefs have to find a way to solve this problem. They're not helped by the fact that the offensive line looks appalling and they're constantly, Mahomes looks like he's under pressure. Not helped by the fact that you can see Mahomes being frustrated. He's making decision errors, which he used never to do. He's missing throws. Yeah, he's making a he's lot making of mistakes. bad reads. There was one one play where he, instead of throwing a, a pretty easy pass to Travis Kelsey, he tried to bomb one down the field um, to, I can't remember which, which wide receiver it was, but there were two receivers down there and there were five defenders and he was trying to get it into, it, like yeah. those are the kinds of things that are a sign of frustration that the game isn't going the way he does. He has to be more patient. The team has to be more patient. They've got to find or figure out a way to solve this problem. They've still got seven games, sorry, eight games in the regular season to solve this they are every chance even winning their division. They're they're basically tied for their division because all the teams in the AFC West are basically the same. They have, they can get the season, they can turn it around, but they've got to solve this problem sooner rather than later because they cannot rely on just letting opposing defenses kind of uh, call the shots and just des- and decide what type of game is being played because the Chiefs are not a eight or ten yards in every play, run it down the field. They are a they are a team. Whose long ball is the is the constant threat? They're a team that wins by by 25, 30 yard throws, and if they can't do those, then they're not going to win championships. But if they can, if they can find a way to get that back into their game, they will be back to the Chiefs as before. Um, so hopefully they figure that out, problem out sooner rather than later. No, of course. Um, yeah, and uh, like I said, hopefully return of Ceh or or. or maybe the, the development of Josh Gordon into being that uh, other threat or something can happen, but yeah, something definitely needs to be changed. And as you said, Mahomes is making some mistakes. Atlanta and New Orleans up next, 27 to 25. Atlanta move into the final wildcard spot. Yes, Atlanta Falcons <laughs> are now in the playoff hunt. Um, so it was just very interesting. They blow 23 to six fourth quarter lead and then need a 29 yard uh, field goal to save them. Ryan had over 300 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, again, this quarter of Patterson, like just insanity, uh, 136 yards. He was the one who actually was able to set them up for it with a giant, uh, a giant gainer down the right-hand side, getting just in behind the cornerback. Um, but yeah, like it was fine. This, the, this New Orleans team looked okay, uh, but there was a little bit of kind of like Simeon, he can only take you so far. Kamara was over 100 yards. They're still going to keep working on him. But like, like look, there, Simeon went for about 250 and two touchdowns, which is probably bog standard in what you want. But against that's against an Atlanta team that you would expect even a rookie quarterback, let alone kind of a, a journeyman type, to be able to put up those kind of numbers. So it does cause a question as well of are we going to start seeing more calls to bring in uh, Taysom Hill to play at the position. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, this is a bit of a surprise result overall, although we have said Atlanta are starting to develop some pieces. They just don't feel like they've got the the stability to actually do anything longer term in it. And New Orleans, like again, this, this just opens up more questions again for me on that team. 
finally, after having so many dumb comebacks and giving up leads and all kinds of ridiculousness, the Falcons sneak into the wild card spot. I suppose, therefore, we are obliged to finally give them the attention that they've obviously been craving with all these incredibly stupid close games that they have. Notice me, Senpai, they say. Look how many fun games I'm having against the Giants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Falcons, and it's like, well, you're playing the Giants and the Falcons. There's no respect here. Uh, but you know, you finally beat a team who we kind of respect, I suppose, because they beat the Bucks last week in the Saints, and they put up 27 points against the defense that we kind of rate. They put up the same amount of points as the Bucks, so that's something, I suppose. And yeah, they they kind of dominate this game. They obviously should have won it. They were 23 and six up, but it's the Falcons, and I suppose Arthur Smith's innovative approach to having leads is to get rid of them as quickly as possible, so that you're not that you're the one who comes back, and then the Falcons are actually okay at that apparently. And as I mentioned, you know, several weeks back, every time he's in one of these situations, he does have the look of a man who's like, how like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. And in this case, they they they, they you know got it back with the one minute drive to set up a coup field goal thanks to the man in the moment C Pat Cornell Patterson who's having the season of a lifetime the breakout season and yeah he's making Matt Ryan look quite good um, despite the fact that he is very much out of weapons with Calvin Ridley dealing with his mental health issues Kyle Pitts like teams are finally clamping down on them and kind of going hey cover that guy he's like their one good wide receiver and like leading you know you know Olamide Zacchaeus had like uh, two touchdowns here but he's not going to be a major threat on you know a down-to-down basis and the D was actually okay until it's late collapse and you know if they can get the defense going uh, and they you know like but like for me the Falcons are kind of weird because you know okay they're building some stuff here and then you re- then you remember oh what are they building towards like Matt Ryan is like over like in his you know, mid-30s right now their defense is full of old veterans and you're kind of going this is just a weird team that's should you know is probably going to do a major rebuild next year so I don't know what this actually ever means but hey that kind of signifies the whole Cordell Patterson experience that you know just enjoy while it lasts I suppose and the, the, that the Falcons are the complete mess right now uh, but for the Saints like look I think when you have Trevor Simeon a quarterback who to be fair wasn't terrible he was just very you know, very safe, very boring. He's just giving it to Alpha Kamara, just save this. But like the fair, you know, Winston was spending lots of time this year doing that as well. And, you know, they've been getting wins that they shouldn't win, but they've also been losing games that you think that they shouldn't do. And they're just a very frustrating team, it feels like, this year. Because you know that if they had a Drew Brees in there, that this whole thing could sing and they could generally be an NFC contender. But as long as they're pulling out these kind of also-ranked quarterbacks, there's just not enough there to believe that they can genuinely get it done uh, when their chips are down and when, when the, the elite of the NFC um, uh, you know, are putting all of their focus on the New Orleans Saints. So, yeah, I think for both these teams, I don't know where they're going to be at the end of the season i don't know if both of them will end up in the playoffs but i don't think either of them are going to be a major factor when it comes to the playoffs uh, and for the saints yeah there's got so many things going against them at the quarterback and somebody in the other situation that yeah unless the defense takes another step up and they'll be pretty good this year i don't really see how they're going to win enough games to be uh you know super relevant in the nfc side so a good week for the uh Tampa bay buccaneers to be honest based in this game no, of course. And finally, Cleveland at Cincinnati, 41-16. to 16. Boy, this is a bit one-sided. Normally, we put these further down, but this was a dominant win produced on pretty much every element of uh, of every unit. Baker, over 200 yards, two touchdowns, looks back on track. It seems that getting rid of Obi- Odell Beckham Jr. was the right decision. Uh, and now, basically, the receivers are going to catch his footballs for fear of uh, you know their dads posting sad Instagram videos and them getting unceremoniously caught as well. Chubb went for 163 yards and two touchdowns. The defense had a 99-yard touchdown interception, two interceptions overall, fumbles, five sacks, just hitting absolutely everything. Um, 
yeah, like the the Bengals just looked like they were very just ill prepared for what was being thrown at them defensively. Burrow had 282 yards and two touchdowns, but like Chase only had 49 yards. Uh, there was an interception touchdown, a red zone attempt at, that was targeted at him, and the run game didn't really get up to a huge amount. It was sub sub four yards in this. Um, it's mad to think that two weeks ago we were looking at this Cincinnati team and they were top of their division and now they're bottom of their division two weeks later. That's how the AFC North is going this year. But um, this is this is a this is a powerful statement game for the Browns to go in and get to get get this result. It's great to see the defense stepping up. It's great to see the run game stepping up. Uh, it is. Uh, we'll we'll discuss it when we get to the previews. But it does. Uh, it, it's nice to see the it's nice to see the running back room together in advance of uh, of what will presumably be some horrifying uh, off the street pickups for next week. But a strong statement win, great that was in their uh, division, great that was in their like yeah, like it was just it was just a powerful statement from Cleveland and make me happy about my kind of preseason pick to have them go win the Super Bowl. Uh, whereas for Cincinnati, I felt kind of sad. Uh, they were just not ready to adjust in game to what was being thrown at them at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing to emphasize in this game is is the performance of the Browns. I mean, they were puttering along. Their season was kind of not going the way it wanted to. They were losing games against good teams. They had that embarrassing loss to the Steelers when they just couldn't get anything done offensively. And it looked like their season, which it looked so promising for a while, was going to eke out. And then they have a performance like this, and they showed that actually they do have the ability. They do have the coaching talent. They do have everything. They have all the pieces there that can actually make them a real threat going down the stretch, and 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 as as we've talked about in the uh, in the in the mid season uh, uh, reviews, they they do have the ability, I think, to go all the way. And it's their defense which leads them. When they're this was the best performance by their defense in quite a while, and their defense has been quite good recently. But this was just another step up when they're healthy, and especially when players like Denzel Ward are fully healthy. I mean, they just like they look like the best defense in the league. Uh, when they're on when they're on peak, they just destroyed the Bengals here, and it wasn't even like it was something kind of fancy scheme wise. There was no like Belichick magic being waved here. They were just beating people one on one. They were just like they decided that they could beat Jamar Chase one on one, and they did it. They 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 executed perfectly, and they they did all the difficult things um, well. And when that when they're doing that kind of things on the defense, then the offense has an easy. Because when you have a defense this good and you have a running game this good, with, with Chubb had another fantastic game as well, Baker Mayfield doesn't do need to do anything except manage the clock and not make mistakes. And when he does that, and he did this this week, then this team looks really unstoppable. Because good Baker turned up this week. He didn't do anything stupid, didn't make any mistakes, no risky throws, no trying to take what wasn't there. He just took what was what was possible. He, he moved the ball down the field. And, and he made the offense do what was needed to, to convert the gr- great work of the defense into points. And they look so much better without the distraction of OBJ. He didn't really fit into the system, whatever. They don't need that kind of long threat when they have the, what, they have the running game. The offense just needs to be efficient and the defense can be explosive. The Browns look really good. And even though they're still in a tough spot, they're technically not even in the playoff spots yet because the AFC is quite a quite a tough place to be if you're a wildcard team at the moment. They do look like probably one of the best teams placed to, to make a run in the second half of the season if they can stay healthy. For the Bengals, yeah, two weeks have really destroyed the um, 
the stock of this team, they've gone from being, oh my God, this team is amazing, to this team has some serious problems. They are a little bit overly reliant on Jamar Chase, I think we can say. I think they they rely on Jamar Chase to win games for them in certain situations, and it's shown in this game that he isn't quite there yet. He's still a rookie, he's still developing, he still can be handled when you've got good, talented, experienced uh, secondary defenders taking care of him. Chase was kind of kind of keep, kept out of the game through defenses through most of it, but he also dropped a few important. There were two very important throws, which we picked them up, would have, would have gotten the Bengals into very good spots therein. Um, there's also perhaps a little bit to worry about Joe Burrow. This is the fifth game in a row where he's thrown an interception, which is not a, not a thing you want to get into habit of because that's how good quarterbacks go bad. He needs to be more careful. He throws a couple of his decisions were not quite where they needed to be. Uh, and that's something to worry them because he, again, too, he is only a second year and he is developing and he is, you know, he's got a long way to go. The Bengals will be a very exciting team, maybe in two or three years time. But this game kind of proved that this, this current iteration just has, it's just a little bit rough around the edges. A couple of things to work on. Also, they, they could do with a better run defense. They kind of got trampled over by, by Nick Chubb in this game. So the Bengals, yeah, are kind of back in the fight now. And they can, they've proved two weeks ago when they're at the best, they can beat anybody. But they've also proved this week that they are capable of being outplayed. And I coming in, out of this, I would be feeling a lot more confident about the Browns' chances of going deep in the playoffs uh, than the Bengals uh, at this stage. That seems fair. Uh, I suppose then we'll hand off to Fitz to take us through the dump off uh, for the games that we think need a little bit less focus. Yeah, you, technically you don't uh, you don't hand off a dump off. You pass, and it's still technically a pass. <laughs> but I'll, I'll forgive that sin. Uh, first up, Vegas at the Giants, sixteen to twenty-three. Yes, don't adjust your your radio set. The uh, Vegas Raiders, after going to the top of the AFC West and showing their you know gumption. Uh, you know, they end up losing to the Giants uh, in quite spectacular fashion. Uh, well, actually, that overrates how good this game is. It wasn't actually that fun to watch. Uh, and obviously, you know, definitely there's effect from all of the legal issues that we've been talking about uh, with Henry Ruggs and and, uh, and the cornerback. So, you know, that definitely had an effect here. You could definitely see Derek Carr see the effect it. Uh, but ultimately, this was a victory for the Giants' defense, who got uh, two interceptions, including a pick-six for Xavier McKinney. They got a fumble, and all of that came out of Derek Carr. So despite Derek Carr putting up nearly 300 yards, having a touchdown, um, when they got into the red zone, they just couldn't do anything. They were one of six there. So, yeah, the Giants, they did the things that matter when they mattered in the red zone with the turnovers, and that was enough to kind of save a, another pretty mediocre offensive output like Danny Dimes had only about 120 yards and a touchdown and the run game wasn't much to talk about but um, the run game did enough, had enough yards to kind of keep the clock going, end up by splitting time of possession equally between these two teams but yeah this was a victory for the Giants defense and a Vegas team that just seems like it's a little bit of disarray at the moment Uh, the AFC West continues to be a bit of a a mess uh, going forward Denver and speaking of Denver at Dallas 30-16 once again, do not adjust your, your radio set, your headsets. Uh, Denver did indeed absolutely hockey the much-vaunted Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they were 30-0 to zero up in this game well into the fourth quarter and it held the Dallas Cowboys to around 122 yards. Um, so this was a dominant victory for the Denver Broncos as their defense basically absolutely annihilated Dak from this world uh, for most of the game. And like to be fair, you can tell that Dak is playing hurt Zeke was hurt in this game and came back when he's still playing hurt. Cooper is playing hurt. CeeDee Lamb is playing hurt. And that showed in their statistics where they were all under 100 yards. So those playmakers and Dak was around 232 yards. But most of that was in garbage time. 
um, to, to Malik Turner, like uh, very much useful for fantasy. Um, Teddy, on the other hand, looked efficient uh, because the run game got going. Jaunty Williams had over 100 yards. Gordon had nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. So I think, you know, there's obviously a template there. Get the run game going and let Teddy like slice and dice some play action in particular. And Jerry Judy being back, I think definitely great as a kind of safety blanket for him there. I think Noah Font hopefully be back soon. So look, I don't think Denver are going to be like an AFC contender, but if they keep play, if they put more performances like this, then they could certainly compete to maybe uh, sneak a wild card spot. Um, and one thing to know is that the Dallas defense, which has been much vaunted, didn't really offer much resistance on the ground, as I mentioned. But also the Trayvon Diggs got exposed a few times um, on those play action plays. So, you know, maybe something that's tough. I think the most fun play in this was the fumble that was got by Dallas early on in the second half, which you thought, oh, this is going to change things. But because the ball fumbled beyond the line of scrimmage, it then become an active play again. And then uh, the the Denver Broncos fell in it, and then it became a first down for them. So you know maybe there's something to be learned there for uh, future uh, for future tactics for Bill Belichick. Uh, next up, Tennessee <laughs> at the Rams, 28 to 16. I said last week, even though I didn't pick them, uh, that you should put respect on the Titans' name, and they put respect on the the the, the much vaunted, the hyped up Rams as they absolutely annihilated them in the post Derrick Henry world. Uh, so you know this putative power team was absolutely held in check by this Tennessee defense, particularly in the first half. They had two interceptions, one of them for a pick six in the second quarter. They had five sacks of Matthew Stafford, and they set up a 21-3 lead at the end of the first half that they basically never looked like they were going to give up uh, in the second half. So, you know, it wasn't the flashiest offensive I put, like Danahill had, uh, and, and the running back cohort that they've stringed together didn't do that much, but the defense and some efficient playmaking was enough to kind of win over this Rams team that we supposedly uh, should should value, despite the fact they lost to a, you know an Adrian Peterson touchdown here. Um, like Matt Stafford was pressured constantly. I think he was pressured around 30% of his snaps, according to advanced analytics, and those key mistakes basically meant that the run game couldn't get going and the defense was in a huge hole. So I think we still have these huge questions about where LA Rams are in terms of our hierarchy of the elite of the elite in the nfl and certainly uh you know we were, were we know little uh, based on this uh, after this uh, but tennessee respect the name maybe pick them going forward ronan but uh yeah uh, good good win for tennessee arizona at san francisco 31 to 17 colt mccoy won the game for the arizona cardinals against the real team albeit the san francisco 49ers are, i seem to be going to a bit of a tailspin right now um he did his best kyler imitation except he does this weird thing where he uh, dumps the ball off uh instead of like running around for 10 minutes and then finding like a 50 yard bomb uh so it's it's a little bit different but thankfully uh james connor just got the ball in his hands and this he ran through them i i don't know connor if you're willing to accept that james connor is an okay running back no, he's uh, not. He's still no. terrible. He still made it. <laughs> There's still a load of terrible plays in it. It's just that he got loads and loads and loads of volume. Like, okay, 183 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, he had cancer, <laughs> etc. Um, but like, look, the San Francisco defense was terrible. Cancer is not an argument, Connor says. Uh, it's really not. Like. <laughs> Uh, look, the San Francisco defense was terrible, but their offense wasn't much better. Like, we had three turnovers from Jimmy G. Obviously, the Trey Lance uh, calls are going to grow because of a performance like this. Uh, uh, but, like, to be fair, there was two fumbles, one from Kittle, one from Ayoku. Both actually had pretty good games in terms of yardage, but uh, those fumbles were key to putting them in the big hole that they couldn't get out of in the second half. Uh, so, look, Arizona, they're proving haters like they can make me wrong. Um, if they can win with Colt McCoy, maybe they deserve some respect. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, next up, Chicago at Pittsburgh, 27-29. to 29. Uh, Chicago 
comeback or putative comeback uh, came up just short here as they were 20 to 6 in the third quarter came got just ahead of the pittsburgh steelers uh but uh, unfortunately they left uh, two minutes for uh, big ben to set up a field goal and uh, 26 left seconds he left for chicago was not enough Cairo santos had a 65 yard and he could have won but uh, it's Cairo santos it's not justin tucker come on um so look it was a game that was very much a game of two halves fields very poor in the first half but i think at least in the fourth quarter or certainly you know in the back half of this game you saw you know hints that we've kind of seen small tidbits that he could be an nfl level quarterback there's way too much issues with this game he obviously needs to grow a lot but you saw that he could be explosive when he wasn't put in terrible situations because for the first half the chicago bears schemed him into into tj watt's arms again and again it's like hey let's roll out to tj watt's side bad idea man Nicky. roll out the other way it works and you know it was definitely just a situation that you kind of go Matt Nagy yeah I don't think he's going to be here next year but maybe Justin Fields is worth keeping around after that uh, Big Ben was solid again uh, though he is quiet for the mid part of this game he had two touchdowns uh, but Harris is the engine of this team he had only 78 yards but yeah they kind of got up early and they kind of got the job done uh, but keep a note for uh, Pat Fryermout he's doing a really good job as Eric Ebron's been out at tight end uh, definitely want to keep on for the future in the Pittsburgh Steelers next up New England Carolina uh, this was a pretty uh, trivial win for for New England, 24 to six. Uh, Darnold had his, uh, you know, the next chapter of his New England Patriots nightmares continue. Uh, very bad memories brought here. A lot of ghosts coming up. Uh, you know, we're one week late for Halloween, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, three interceptions, under 200 yards, harassed into mistakes. CMC's back though, not 100 yards, so that's at least something to hope for for Carolina. But look, New England. Like they didn't really do much in offense either. They needed like Ramondre Stevenson to have over 100 yards to do anything really, and Mac Jones was pretty mediocre. But like, look overall, that Carolina defense is pretty good, and they didn't really have to get out of their shell because the Carolina were just turning the ball over again and again. Uh, but you know, Stephon Gilmore got a revenge pick, so good for him, I suppose. Uh, you know, you're half a game behind Buffalo. Let's see where New England can be in the back half of the season. Uh, Jets at the Colts, 30 to 45 bit of a misleading score uh, indianapolis dominated this game because mike white had a touchdown but on his touchdown throw he, he hurt his forearm and was missing for the rest of the game so look i know sean we're excited for mike white but unfortunately we missed that on thursday night football uh, josh johnson he had over 300 yards three touchdowns but all of that was a garbage tie they were 16 to 42 going into the fourth quarter uh, uh but he, you know uh, elijah moore was a bright spot at least the rookie had a uh, nearly 100 yards and two touchdowns uh but like the jets defense did absolutely nothing as jonathan taylor he had 200 yards and two touchdowns absolute dominance and Wentz was able to just kind of fly off that have nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns and he was clean and effective and Pittman once again got a score so yeah for the colts back in contention back at that uh the wild card hunt certainly uh for the jets uh, a missed opportunity to see more of the lord and savior mike white uh houston at miami finally 9 to 17 uh this game was terrible uh miami's defense did most of the work they had four turnovers five sacks tyrod kept back but the, you know even though the roster was bad to begin the season it's even a lot more worse now thanks to injuries thanks to them getting rid of players through transactions and trades uh, he had three interceptions and i don't know if he's gonna be able to carry much this year uh for the rest of the season uh Brissett was playing in this game for miami because two was a late uh scratch because of an injury he's carrying uh he wasn't great but uh, the defense did enough work that he didn't have to be. Uh, but this is a team that lacks any identity. Both these teams lack identity. Both these teams aren't worth watching. And this game can basically go in the bin. So that's the dump off for week nine. Uh, talk to you next week. And now we'll take a look at the games for next week. Okay.
okay, so first up, Thursday Night Football, Baltimore at Miami. Uh, yeah, we've gone for Baltimore in this one. Miami are still and will continue to be a terrible, terrible football team. Uh, Baltimore look good. They're firing pretty well these days. Uh, I just can't really see anything that would change this result, to be honest, uh, barring a Jacksonville-style uh, to 6-3 to three game. Uh, but yeah, no, Baltimore across the across the table on that one uh buffalo at the jets we've gone for buffalo across the board even though mike white is likely to be back playing we think that this buffalo team is too strong yeah like look buffalo objectively are a much more talented team they're a team that has you know i i know they they had a bad loss but they've had wins against decent teams and the jets um occasionally have done weird things they've obviously won games they have no right to win so perhaps that gives them a better chance than against like a mediocre team uh but you know on paper they shouldn't have enough to beat this buffalo team i think in particular the buffalo defense wasn't the problem against jacksonville i think they can bottle up mike white uh or potentially even zach wilson though that's looking less likely or josh johnson or whoever it is and keep the short and the buffalo against what is objectively a bad defense can get enough points but yeah like look this is a game that should be like low priority that should be a foregone conclusion and yet because of what these two teams have done this season we can't quite put it in that category at the moment yeah, yeah, I was I was half tempted to to give the Jets the the prediction win here, but I just couldn't justify it. I was like, the Jets for all their their heart and and their great wins over the Titans and Bengals, they just their their defense is terrible. And they even when they play the defense played well against the Bengals, they still give up 31 points or whatever. So I think the Bills will bounce back. I think this will be a bounce back game for them. I, I think they'll they'll do enough. And their own defense, I mean, as good as Mike White is, I mean. The Bills are, are, you know, top three defense kind of thing. It's going to be very tough on that end as well. So I think the Bills just have enough to, to kind of guarantee the win here. I can't see if the Jets play well, they can even get the win. That seems fair. New Orleans at Tennessee. You've got for Tennessee across the board. Do you know why? Because we need to put some respect on that name. We have yeah. assumed <laughs> that they were going to collapse and they haven't, uh, which means they're going to lose this game, of course, now that yeah. we've started to respect <laughs> them again. Um, I, but yeah, I find it very interesting that two weeks... I find it very interesting that two weeks ago, Fitz was being like, don't forget that they lost to the Jets. We must not never forget that the, the Titans lost to the Jets and therefore we can't give them maximum and respect. And now, he's telling, now he's telling us to respect the Titans. And I'm like, I already respected the Titans, Fitz. I I, I was always, I, well, I'll be, I wasn't I'll, always. I'll, a I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and I'll say with Derrick Henry going down, I'd, start, I'd started to doubt the Titans. But I had a they, lot of makeupers today. Okay, I had Jamar Chase things. <laughs> I'm giving Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals love. I'm I'm like saying the Titans they gotta be respected. Like you know I'm wrong a lot. Maybe I should you know should be giving my opinions. But hey, like this is also an entertainment program. If I wasn't wrong, then uh, it wouldn't be as fun. Uh, but like look, yeah, like yeah, Tennessee. Like that would like they won last week in a way that New Orleans have kind of won several times this year, where the defense has kind of shown up and kind of battered what's supposed to be a really good uh, offense and kind of made it a kind of you know get down and dirty. Both these teams are they're very down and dirty teams. They don't do a lot of things that make you get like want to watch them week to week, but they're both very good at making games winnable for themselves when they have no right to be. So yeah, like you know, is a Derrick Henryless uh, Tennessee offense really that much better than you know the Trevor Simeon Alvin Kamara show uh, uh, for the New Orleans Saints like but I think yeah. Tennessee you know you've beaten all the best teams you lost to the Jets 
just win a game against a, a middling team and show us that you're not just a team that's here to troll us completely and out of existence. Fair enough. Uh, Detroit at Pittsburgh. We've gone for Pittsburgh across the board. Fitz? Yeah, look, Pittsburgh should probably win this game because Detroit are the you know last uh, you know team without a win in, in the NFL. But yeah, I would never count out Pittsburgh losing a game because their offense has been very up and down. It's looking a bit better at the moment, but I still don't trust it. Uh, but look, the Detroit run defense isn't good, so I expect Najee Harris to rack up the yards, get this done, and have a fairly grim uh, outing for Detroit. But hey, I think we're all rooting for Detroit to get a win at some point. Uh, Pittsburgh isn't the worst candidate for that to happen, given where these two teams are. No, of course. Next up the is Sean. They play the Bears again. They play the Bears again, so I think they win there. Oh, yeah, so yeah, next up, Browns. At Sean's Pats. pick of the week. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, going to be interesting one. So the kind of the breaking news is that the Browns may be without a running back. Uh, the, the, Nick Chubb has tested positive for COVID and one of the other running backs as well. So they're Belted, yeah. both out. Um, uh, they may come back. They have to get negative tests, but it's, it's yes. a higher. Smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, even without even without a running back core, I still think the Browns. I mean, I, I picked them up in the reviews. I think it's. I think it's time to give them respect. So we've both gone for the Browns. Myself and Fizzle Connor has gone for the Pats because of this running back thing. I think it's going to be a defensive slugfest. These are two defenses at the height of their powers. The Browns beat you on, on personnel. The Pats beat you because Belichick is a wizard, and they also have also have some really great personnel. J.C. Jackson had a great game last week. Christian Barmore, I've already talked about. Matt Judon is, is dominant. So I think this could be a really low-scoring but really interesting game. If you're one of those purists who like real football, this is the game for you. But if you're coming for a 42-41 uh, um, shootout, then go elsewhere because you're not going to see it. The weather forecast, uh, what a good, grim, <laughs> rain-driven game, you know? Both teams, like, soaking uh, yeah, I'll it's probably a bit too early for it's probably a bit too early for the snow. It's not quite snow season in Boston yet, but but definitely it'll be cold and bitter and probably wet. Um, big playoff game as well because whoever wins this will have a huge advantage in the wild card race um, and potentially a decider in terms of tie breaks and stuff like. But I think the Browns, their their defense is playing at such a high level that I just can't see the Pats offense with the limitations of Mac Jones etc. overcoming them. Whereas I do think that the Browns have shown that they can get it done on offense when, when Baker behaves himself. And so I, I think they've got the formula now. So I think the Browns will kind of run it out the rest of the season um, on, on kind of good form in, in my, I, well, I hope or else I'm an idiot about football, but I do think the Browns are, are making, making good to make a run. Yeah. Interesting question. That, Would you rather have Mac Jones or Baker Mayfield as your quarterback right now? Oh, uh, I think I would take Baker because he's proven himself in those playoff games in kind of week 17 last year. He's proven himself that in he's got the experience in tough situations that he, he can pull things out where Mac Jones has not really proven himself in the big game yet. He's proven that he's capable of competing with with the kind of maybe good quarterbacks in, in tough games, but he hasn't quite had that, say, that playoff experience, that week 17 experience yet. So, I mean, down the line in the future, maybe Jones will be the better quarterback. But right now, I, I would trust Baker more than Jones. Uh, the one thing to keep an eye out for this one, which is just going to be insufferable, is the media coverage behind it because of all this RBEs being out. Um, so Chubb is definitely going to be out along with uh, Fenton. No, have- no, just, just to be clear, that they're both vaccinated. So if they test 
negative twice between now and Sunday, they they have a chance to play. It's unlikely, but there's a chance. Yeah, it's, they can it's make. very unlikely. But uh, uh, Felton, okay. it's more likely because I think he, he may not be asymptomatic. Yeah. And, so you've got uh, see so you've got uh, Dearness Johnson is a close contact, but has tested negative. So you hopefully you'll have him, and then Hunt might be able to. Lie. But basically, what you're going to have now is you're going to have this. Is this the time for Baker Mayfield to step up? Oh, they got rid of OBJ. He only threw 15 passes last week. What will he do this time around? And it's going to be in fucking sufferable for the week. Um, but yeah, enjoy Brent's that, fans. That's not that be would fun. be a mistake. They should play it close. They should let this out and have a grim fest that uh, Sean's just... Oh, I think I, be this, ga- this game will finish 6-3. Uh, and I'm not sure which team will have the 6, but I think the Browns will have the 6. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Tampa Bay, Washington. We've gone for Tampa Bay across the board, Sean. Yeah, Tom Brady, by week. His re- he's wested his weary bones and he's back to, to wreak some havoc. The books are in great form. Despite the Saints' loss, they're still quite a talented team. Washington are a mess. The defense is nowhere near where it was last year. And Taylor Heineke has always got at least three mistakes in him in every game. Um, so, I mean, I just can't see them competing. I just can't see how they'll stop the Bucks' offense. And I just can't see how Heineke is going to get things done against what is also a pretty good defense. So, so Bucks, I think, comfortable here. He's going to get revenge for that wild card loss. You know, that's <laughs> his best game. That's why he's starting right now, Heineke. He's coming back for Tampa Bay. Uh, Atlanta, Dallas, we go for Dallas across the board. Um, despite the loss last week, I presume we're kind of looking at Dallas being uh, you know, a, a talent-heavy team that we would hope to be able to do a bit more. Atlanta, have, like we said, have pushed into the playoff race, but I wouldn't put them in the same bracket as them. But this is a game that both of them are looking to looking to lock down here. Um, it's at home for Dallas. Like It should be a get-right game, right? Uh, it but should I, be. The, the big thing for them is that it was obvious that Dak is playing hurt. It's obvious that some of their biggest weapons are playing hurt. Um, hopefully with a week longer to recover, we'll see that kind of gradual improvement. We've seen that from the Browns, for example. They've kind of getting healthier week on week, and they're already looking a bit better. If they can get just that marginal improvement, I think that should be enough for them to be Atlanta. But if their offense looks like it did against Denver, then you have to give Atlanta a chance, even yeah. though they literally make no sense. The Coradell patterson Falcons, just a weird, weird concept. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't dismiss them. But, yeah, I think we want Dallas to win because we know that their ceiling – is so high and, and they, they can be a very fun team uh, going forward. Yeah, I still think look, look, Dallas are also in that division, so they've got a bit of breathing room as well. But uh, but yeah, like it, it, it would actually be kind of interesting if Atlanta could turn this on a bit and make it a game because then it might be, you know, at least we'd have a, a spicy race for the wild card rather than a grim. I, I refuse to slog. consider the Atlanta Falcons. I refuse to consider the Atlanta Falcons a playoff team. They must be stopped. The Cowboys must be <laughs> them. I will not not stand for this for one more week. Every they're, week, they're Falcons for... coverage, Vikings coverage, <laughs> until Sean leaves the podcast. I can't wait <laughs> for the Vikings at the Falcons when Fitz just devotes two hours podcast to just the one game. Jesus. Uh, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, we've gone for Colts across the board. Look, not loving the Colts, but Jacksonville, one week aberration, I think, until they prove otherwise. And their offense looked absolutely septic during that. Uh, Indianapolis have been looking a good bit better of late. Wentz is still a problem, but they've got a lot of talents. Uh, it's hard to look past them at home against this Jacksonville team. Uh, Minnesota, the Chargers. Where are we on the Chargers? We, we're presumably we going over... Oh, wait, no, yeah, you well, all hate the Vikings. That's easy enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know where we are on the Chargers, but like I, they... I'm, 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 just, I'm presuming that we're saying over 500 because we're going for Chargers yeah, across the yeah, board here. Yeah. They're like a 10-17. They're a yeah, 10-17. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Justin, Justin Herbert should be able to get going against this uh, Minnesota secondary. It's still not 
amazing. It has moments of being okay, but it's not the best. I think Austin Eckler has a, a minor injury, finger injury, but he should be okay. But yeah, like, you know, obviously the Chargers used to be a team that we go, they'll find some way to lose every game. But under Brandon Staley, that isn't the sense that they're such an aggressive team. They're willing to put everything on the line to win the game. It's a very different attitude, whereas the Vikings are still stuck in that morass of losing games that they should win uh, or sometimes just collapsing completely. So uh, for me, it's just a matter of which Minnesota flavor of loss we get. Is it blowout or is it, you know, crushing loss in overtime or in the last, uh, like with a last minute kick? This is the, this is this is always the the kind of one that Minnesota actually wins. They normally win one surprise per year. And the Chargers always have that slightly fragile feel that it could be them. And I, I would also point out the Chargers have the worst run defense in the NFL, and the Minnesota Vikings have Dalvin Cook. I mean, it it is yeah, it, it, there's a recipe <laughs> for victory there if the Vikings can just you know use it. Um, but that requires the the coaching staff to actually know what they're doing. But I think there is a way you can see the Vikings win this game. But I just I I hope that the Chargers are just <laughs> a much Sean, more fun team. Sean refuses mean. to imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live in that world, Fitz. So I refuse to live in it. In my nightmares, I see purple horns everywhere. Um, yeah, so we're going for Chargers across the board, hoping hoping against hope that we don't have to discuss this game in any detail next week. Uh, Philadelphia, Denver. We've gone for Denver across the board, Ronan, uh, just because of their win last week, or do we just not trust Philly? We don't trust Philly, although they had a you know a solid ad against the Chargers against the worst run defense. Uh, but I think like Denver kind of going, okay, you did you did a thing, prove prove that this is not just you uh, kind of you know doing that on a once-off basis against an injured team. I think both of these teams will have a very very similar strategy: run the ball down the throat of the other team. Obviously, you have the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon tandem coming from. Uh, Denver, and then you have the smorgasbord of uh, you know Jordan Howard and Boston Scott and uh, and uh, Jalen Hurts himself coming from the uh, Philly side. So I like I don't trust either of these teams. Is really a, like a toss up for me. But I think Denver, they're at home. It's mile high. It's got an advantage. They had a nice win. Let's see if they can build on that. But uh, yeah, neither of these teams really inspire much hope uh, for consistency. No. Um... Yeah. Next up is your pick of the week, Seattle at Green Bay. And uh, fortunately, we've all gone for Green Bay with the caveat of this is presuming that Rodgers is playing. Yeah. So my, my understanding of the rules is that as long as the doctor says that he's not sick, like he doesn't have any symptoms, he'll basically be allowed to play. Doesn't even have to get a second test or whatever before they let him back on. Um, which, to be fair, like once you're already been sick and you don't have symptoms, you're not very likely to spread the virus so i understand the logic but uh i would prefer if he didn't play <laughs> but anyway look seattle at green bay the other big thing of course the russell wilson is back from injury he's been fully cleared a uh, quote uh, from the doctor there he you know put the magic water on his hands and he grew extra fingers and then chopped off the unnecessary ones i don't know you know magic <laughs> i presume uh but yeah look like this it gives us therefore the game that I'm sure the schedule makers were sweating that they weren't going to get a couple of weeks ago. It's Russell Wilson. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's, you know, two teams who in theory should have really explosive offenses, you know, Devontae Adams on one side and Aaron Jones on one side, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the other side. So in theory, we should have a pretty exciting high scoring game. Uh, but let's cut to what we know about these two teams. Look, Green Bay's defense was very good against Kansas City, but um, has otherwise uh, since uh, they, they lost their, their 
their best uh, cornerback, uh, Alexander, has not really been as good, but they have had solid performances. They're just very much an up-and-down defense right now. You're not sure whether to trust them week to week. And on the Seattle side, they were absolute trash for the first month, and then over the last few weeks before the bye, they slowly tightened up. Like The problems on that team were the offensive side, primarily in those games they lost, particularly the one against the Saints. So in theory... Um, both these defenses could have pretty good games and keep these in check, but I think what we're hoping for is, you know, this is a, you know, the prime, you know, the the the, the prime meet of the late window. Let's see these two teams have a shootout. Let's see them put up scores against two secondaries that have certainly got issues and certainly aren't the most talented. And let let's see these two quarterbacks give us the type of performance that makes us believe that Green Bay uh, can be an NFC contender and the Seahawks perhaps can be a contender for the wild card because it's such a mess down there. And I think. Overall, most of the teams that we have compared to Seahawks, Seahawks are probably one of the teams we'd rather have in that last wildcard spot over at Carolina or Atlanta or Minnesota or whoever. Um, so in terms of actual performance, uh, like, I don't know what Seattle. They've been so poor uh, under, with Geno Smith except for that Jacksonville game. They were so very uh, you know, up and down when Russell Wilson was still in there. It'll be interesting to see if they got into the bye, they make some schematic changes and they improve. They had a you know pretty good back half of the season. For, for like They've had a lot of seasons recently where one half of the season has been terrible and the other half has been great. So it's uh, definitely possible that they turn the corner and they go on a wild run and get to that wild card spot. Uh, but I think Green Bay at home with Aaron Rodgers back and presumably now the entire world is against them, or at least the entire world that believes in vaccination, um, he will be even more pissed off. And by the logic of Aaron Rodgers equals pissed equals better mm. footballer, um, yeah. we probably will give him the, the favorite here. But it should be a fun game. And I hope to see yeah. both these teams play well and give us hope that they, they can be where we want them to be at the end of the season. Yeah, it should make for make for an entertaining one at uh, uh, at very least. Uh, next up, Carolina at Arizona. We've gone for Arizona across the board, Sean. Yeah, I mean, some questions. Obviously, the Cardinals whether they'll get back Kyler and and Hopkins and such like. But I mean, Colt McCoy has proven himself. They have proven themselves that they can they can win games even when they don't have them. So it's not a disaster uh, either way. Uh, they're a more talented team. That the Panthers have a good defense, but their offense is is a bit of a mess. Obviously, CMC makes a difference, but Darnold's, he's just, he's, confidence is shot. He's hes a mistake. He's got a mistake in him in every throw that he makes. And so I, I think that that Cardinals defense, which look very good, they will get at him, make make problems. And I think it could be a nasty night for the, a nasty afternoon, as it were, for the Panthers. So I think the Cardinals should have enough, regardless of whether or not Murray and Hopkins play. Yeah, and uh, next up is Sunday Night Football, Kansas City at Las Vegas is my pick of the week. Um, mostly because uh, you guys took the other two good games before me. Uh, <laughs> this uh, should be a good game. Uh, have you seen the teams lately? The last, <laughs> the last, last season, the two games these teams played were really, really enjoyable games. Um, yeah. They were two hard-fought, well-played games. There, look, okay, so we're going, myself and Fitz are going for, for Casey, and Sean's going for the Raiders in this one. It's it's an intriguing one. Like you say, it's in division. They know each other well. They hate each other. They tend to play pretty good games against each other, particularly the last couple of years. Uh, Vegas are in a bit of a slump right now. They had the quick boost after getting rid of Gruden, but now they're, you know, teams somewhat in a tailspin. They're not sure what they're, what they're up to. Chiefs have their defense starting to turn it on again, but their offense looking terrible. This is kind of a spot where this could help for both of them because like this Vegas defense is not playing up to, to scratch of late and they should be able to get some bits moving against them. Um, for Vegas, Kansas City aren't 
particularly strong against some of the pairs that they have strong pieces in Josh Jacobs. They've got a good tight end that we don't tend to do fantastically well on, on, on covering those as well. The one plus is that the Chiefs defense as of last week with the addition of, 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 of uh, Ingram at defensive end have started to actually send an awful lot more pressure and Carr doesn't tend to respond very well to pressure. So hopefully that will give them a bit of a help. But I could well see this being a game that the Chiefs lose, uh, particularly we're on the road, it's in division. And this is huge impact onto the AFC West uh, standings as well as it's gone from you know, the Chargers away out in front to a proper, everyone's, I think, within a game of each other there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all just like, it's, 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 it's a, it's a proper slugfest in there. So it's, um, it's going to be fun to see. I'm excited. Like I said, this is, you know, this is a, this is a personnel set that they know quite well. So if they were to be able to start turning it around, this would be a good spot for it. But equally, it does mean that they'll kind of know what tendencies that they're trying to, stop in the Chiefs as well so it should be an exciting one um, I would like it to not be Sunday Night Football to make it a bit easier to watch so I'll probably be watching this on the Monday morning <laughs> instead but um, no I think I think I think the Chiefs defense are going to be key in this to put some pressure on Carr because I do think they have the weapons and the means to try and cause problems for the Chiefs and the big question mark for me is just what the KC offense is going to look like because it hasn't looked itself for about eight weeks yeah they finally had a game without a turnover this week one yep. lesson learned Next lesson learned. Don't also, have... we nearly we 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 nearly had a pit, we nearly had a shutout on defense. Apart from Daniel fucking Sorensen, yeah. like a minute I was just left about to say, game. don't don't have Daniel Sorensen cover Darren Waller. Darren don't, have, not... don't have Daniel Sorensen <laughs> on the field. Cut him. Like... <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like you learned one lesson: no turnover, not play Darren uh, Daniel Sorensen. Maybe if you combine those things you will have that blowout that you're looking for in Kansas City get back in the track uh, to being the AFC superstar that we want them to be. Like, why, sorry, I'm just, I'm just, it, just, it just got in my head there. Why the fuck did we came to the offseason? I get he had a big play in the in the Browns game, but like, they signed Daniel Sarsen to a one-year $2.5 million contract in the offseason. Like, one, why the fuck would you give him that much money at age 31, 32? But two, like, that's only, in the grand scheme of things, two and a half million. Just put him on the fucking bench. Yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, uh, like, Sean, do you have anyone to say about this game? Or you yeah, I, I mean, I, I've gone for the Raiders, whereas you guys gone for Chiefs in this, just because I, I, I think I've finally given up on the Chiefs. I, what I saw against Green Bay was like, yeah, this team offensively has got some serious problems and they're going to have to work it out. And in division, the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year and won the games. They almost beat them twice. Derek Carr is having a good season. Deshaun Jackson will give them that long option, which they didn't have against the Giants. I just, if the Chiefs continue to have the offensive problems, I just think that the Raiders are actually a better team right now. And that's why I'd kind of give them the edge in this one. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And uh, finally, Monday Night Football, the Rams take on the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who I might say, another surprising one, San Francisco 49ers, maybe there might be some questions over the coach there and whether or not that's a long-term solution because... Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of comps to Matt Nagy's record and why is this guy under pressure? But to be fair, Kyle Shanahan has been to a Super Bowl that that washes a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think definitely the the... Shanahan backlash is not completely unwarranted and he certainly needs to show that he can win a, a tough game at least once or twice this season. Um, he doesn't have the excuses of so many injuries and he has George Kittle back. Um, Depot Summons a little hurt, but he should play Ayuk's back. So their offense should be at full speed against the Rams. But 
I just don't see them doing it against that Rams defense. That wasn't the issue against Tennessee. Like really, it was the like the the the, the Matt Stafford throwing too many picks that caused them to have that hole and lose that game to Tennessee primarily. And I don't see the San Francisco defense doing much to 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 cause that kind of pressure on Matt Stafford. They've been very very mediocre on defense but look they have talented players they obviously have a bosa they have uh, armstead uh arden key showed up a bit in the game last week so there is a route to win but like i just don't think any of us really trust the san francisco 49ers and even though we don't love the rams right now i think we expect them to come good in the end so give it to the rams on the whole on the road and uh, yeah san francisco's home advantage doesn't exist they hate playing at home <laughs> Yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, okay, well, so that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, any crack with yourselves for the for the weekend or anything? Well, I am going to New York on Monday. Oh, very exciting! So I assume we'll so be you're going you next up, week. Yeah, and possibly the week after if I jet lagged on the way back. Um, Just but, need your pick, uh, yeah, Sean. So, That's all you are to our pick. Yes. <laughs> I will do the picks. Oh, speaking of an update on that, at the midway point, I am one pick ahead of everyone else. It's, uh, uh, it's, tight, it's, it's real tight. close. I had a nice lead earlier on. I fucked it up the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sean, you're saying about New York. Yeah, so we got five days in New York, Monday to Friday, whatever. Uh, we're going to see Hamilton. We're going to go watch the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to do all the touristy stuff. Uh, it's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, you might not see me on this podcast for one and possibly two weeks as a result. But uh, I can't – I am annoyed I won't be able to see an NFL game, but unfortunately the NFL schedulers hate me. The last time I was in America, uh, in New Orleans in 2012, the Saints were also on the road the Sunday I was there. So it's just – yeah, mm. they just hate me. Hey, that's why they bring the games over here. So, you know, your bad <laughs> timing doesn't cost you too much. So I presume uh, what we should do is we shouldn't do any coverage of the um – of the Vikings for the next two weeks, and we just do like a three oh, yeah. retrospective <laughs> when Sean comes on, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We need to save all that good stuff up, uh, you know, and the Falcons analysis, obviously, as well. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, I'll be waiting for you when you're back, Sean. Don't worry. Uh, we'll keep it nice and warm <laughs> for you. Uh, as for myself, nothing as interesting as that. Uh, uh, so, uh, as I said, it's mostly work stuff at the moment, another kind of crunch coming up. Uh, but other than that, keeping it quiet. And, uh, yeah, I think Ireland uh, are playing at the end of their kind of fruitless uh, Euro qualifying campaign. But they're playing Portugal. Let's see if they can get a win there and uh, get everyone hyped up for the, the future of the Kenny project there. But uh, other oh, than that, course. keeping it pretty quiet. Yeah, I've uh, I've got a very exciting. I've got a, a a a day long Lord of the Rings marathon that I'm going to in one of the cinemas here in Dublin on the Saturday. So it'll be a good crack. Uh, I'm also just I was just having a quick look there at my fancy football teams, and I see I've been offered a trade from you there, Fitz. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it looks like you're trying to give me absolute garbage. Is that is that a fair term? I forget which division we're in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, no, I'll have a look. I'll have a look at it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah. Because that'll wrap us up for now, so uh, that's bye for myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. And bye from Chad. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.